Yo, what's going on everyone? It's Brian and Jim here with Drink a Beer and Play a Game and welcome to another episode of the Power Hour. Yes, welcome to episode 103. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, speaking of Power Hours, be on the lookout for our former guest Michelle, aka Petey's Power Hour. We just recently recorded with her, so whenever she gets her episode with us out there, we'll definitely share it with everyone. We'll hoard it out there, so make sure to check it out. It's definitely a fun time. And speaking of guests, we have yet another guest with us tonight. So he's a guy I've been following for a while. I actually got set up through seeing him through our buddy, G to the Next Level. And his name is Sean, but you might know him on YouTube as Genovi. Sean, how you doing, man? Hey, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm doing fantastic, and uh, I've been following you guys for, for some time. So it was uh, quite exciting that you reached out and invited me on the show, and I finally get to chat to two people that I been watching for at least a couple years now it was funny when i first messaged you i was like hey do you want to be on the show and you're like yeah i'd love to is this brian or jim i was like what the hell it actually like knows our page a little bit <laughs> now now be honest sean were you a little disappointed to hear it was jim a little bit i was hoping you say it's both we 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 don't let one touch this account without the other one being right next to me it's yeah it was uh i, I was i was a little bit heartbroken don't worry they always are i'm used to it <laughs> no brian brian's also like god damn it jim some of the things you post sometimes i'm like yay you don't want to be the social guy this is what you got to deal with that's the burden and blessing of having two people. You can split duties. I'll handle Instagram and YouTube. He gets Twitter. And then sometimes I see what he posts. And I just go, ah, that's Jim. <laughs> well, well, the real issue is whenever Jim says something that's, you know, a little bit controversial, he's telling Me? people he's Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I, uh, I, 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 I've literally had friends just go like, did you? see this like did you post that? i was like it wasn't me that was jim hey. and and uh, and it's funny because uh yeah obviously like jim said our good buddy g uh through him but it's as soon as i we looked up your channel um on top of just loving your channel and and we're gonna get into the work you do i noticed i was like jim there's a reoccurring theme i said it's because of you a lot of Sega fans, what? very hardcore Sega fans. Well, we got taste. <laughs> I was like, that's a that's a common thread. But uh, well, what's interesting is that Jim has a full Nintendo setup behind him, and yours looks to mostly be Xbox 360s and PS2 and Genesis. I, I do see some Super Nintendo loose cards down below you, but yep. uh, I don't think I see any Sega related merchandise behind Jim. <laughs> oh, don't worry, I can wreck this camera real fast. <laughs> yeah, so, I'll put this whole production in the shitter to prove my honor. So oh! Jim, there we go. <laughs> so Jim used to have the. It was always the Sega wall behind Jim, just his Genesis collection, and then. He, uh, he decided to get more professional with a real desk, and now we get to see beautiful pa panels behind him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, know, I'm trying to decide what I want to throw back is, here. It's, it's, really, it's really necessary when you're doing some sort of podcast or show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've gone full Milton, and I look like I'm truly in a basement like I am. <laughs> no, but Sean, what, uh, why don't you tell the people, give it, give it a rundown of uh, what your channel's all about and what you hope to like, you know, get out there with your videos. And of course, first, tell the people where they can find you. And then explain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can just search Genovi and you'll, you'll find me. I don't think there's really anybody else using that tag. Uh, 
I, I remember when I first grabbed that in about the mid nineties, I did a search on probably web crawler and nothing came up. And I thought, yeah, this is it right here. Something <laughs> that nobody else has something. I don't have to put one, two, three after. And, uh, and it's worked ever since, you know, I, I have the name on a uh, PSN and Xbox and Nintendo. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's fantastic having a name that nobody at the time had. So, uh, but yeah, um, if you just look up Genovia, you'll find my channel and, uh, I, the show's essentially called Retro Impressions. And it's it's a look back at gaming history and um, and, uh, and analysis as well of, of certain games, um, essentially starting with the very beginning, which would be the Odyssey, and uh, going all the way through to, well, it should be the GameCube, although I haven't really touched anything GameCube related. But that's that was kind of the idea of the channel. So um, for me... The idea is to really try to run down topics that are either undercovered or not covered at all. And a lot of times the subject matters that I cover are me answering questions that I have in my own head. And so I'm tracking down this information and I compile a video to really kind of uh, put an answer out there for a question that I had. So That's definitely a thing that's always really interested me because between Brian and I, like I'm the one who likes the weird, random, the deep cut kind of stuff. So as I'm looking through your page, I'm just like, oh unreleased gizmondo games you're talking my language here or you know as you're going through the all the 32x games that never came out which <laughs> shocked me how many games were like planned or at least had a little article and stuff like that or as you're talking about like the jaguar and all the other randomness or the uplink you did about the cdi so as you know the more deep stuff i'm just like ah this is right up my alley here yeah, well, when I saw, same as Jim, I mean, when I saw you putting up unreleased games, I, that, those are the ones that, like, truly, truly fascinate me, and, you know, you do, as we said, a really deep dive, you clearly do a ton of research, and the video shows, I mean, pulling news clips, pulling little, just one-liners from gaming magazines, or just little articles, um, what, like, was there a specific game that sparked you that said, I really want to do this. And then did that automatically lead or did you already kind of have a list in your head and you're like, I want to hit on a bunch of these games. And then you kind of found yourself tracking down more after the fact. Yeah. So uh, the whole deal actually started with the 32X because um, it's a system that I actually purchased at launch. And so we were aware at launch that there was a bunch of games coming down the pipeline and a lot of them never hit store shelves. So I, I obviously, uh, my channel is fairly, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it's probably a, maybe an overstatement, but it's it's, it's heavily influenced by the 32X. Mm. Uh, it's one of the systems I, I'm, I'm really passionate about, and I feel like it was really underrepresented when I started my channel. So I, I, I have a lot of content on there kind of focusing on the 32X. And so with all these videos, uh, essentially what happens is that I'll look over the, the complete period of time when a system was actually active. So like with the 32X, we start looking at magazines uh, like in the early, uh, like early 94, and then we'll follow through all the way into like late 96. And we're looking for any mention of anything that we can find. And we're going through all magazines that we can, we can locate. And we're looking through French publications and Italian publications sure. and British publications. And we're looking through all American publications and um, some Japanese publications and trying to use, uh, you know, uh, some 
people that I know that live over in Japan to help translate some of these articles, which which you may or may not have seen on some of these videos. And and we start compiling a list, and then we'll go through and we'll look at lists that other people have compiled for some of these systems, and we'll try to run down exactly uh, what is accurate and not accurate on these lists. And a lot of times, a lot of this information is not going to be accurate whatsoever. And sometimes there's no sources, and so it's just rumors. And um, uh, like there's one on this Gizmondo video that I'm going to cover here. It's a Warhammer uh, 40,000 game that was, uh, it's on every Gizmondo list that you look up. If you look up unreleased Gizmondo, you're going to see this on the list. And the reality is, is that it actually was never in development for the Gizmondo. It's just completely false. And uh, what happened is, and this is things like to track down. It's like, okay, so like, how did this actually become associated with being unreleased, even though it was never in development? And like with that case, uh, the game was was never in development, but the company called Warthog in about 2003 or 2004 put together a presentation to show the company. Uh, it's called uh, GameWorks, I believe, that owns that that, that property. Yeah. So they so they put together a presentation to show them a new Blood Bowl game and a new Warhammer 40,000 game to try to acquire rights to use the IP in new games, and they were rejected. Well, people got a hold of this footage when it leaked, and they realized that the company that owned Gizmondo is named Tiger Telematics acquired Warthog Games. And so they thought that because after they acquired Warthog, all those games were repurposed strictly as Gizmondo exclusive mm. games, that this game must have been in the works and was going to be pushed over to the Gizmondo. But the reality is that the game was never in the works. It was just... It was just a presentation that was put together to try to acquire the IP, and it was rejected. So uh, it's going to be debunked in this coming video. And that's part of the fun. It's kind of running down these leads and trying to put together something that's, uh, you know, um, thoroughly researched and sourced. And I, I don't always release, like, I, I have, like, these big spreadsheets that I keep, and I typically keep track right. of the sources and where I found them or if, where the rumor came from and um, so, like, when you actually look through the 32X series, that is every single 32X unreleased game that was actually in development or planned or under license. I, I didn't leave anything out. Uh, when I like the CDI, the the uh, 3DO M2, most of these series that I do, they are not just covering a handful of games. They cover every single game on the every system. Yeah. And the only exception is actually the Atari Jaguar series that I was doing. And um, I don't know if I'll ever complete that series because. Uh, there's a lot of drama in the Jaguar community, uh, which I don't know if I'll go into here or not, but it puts a bad taste in my mouth and it makes doing that series not a whole lot of fun. Of, of all the communities to have a very, be really toxic and vicious with each other, I'm assuming, I don't go on these third, but the Jaguar of our things. Yeah, well... well there is uh, there's a, a gatekeeping community and a lot of them are actually based over in the UK. And for a lot of years, these people were putting out information about the history of the, of the system in these games. And what I discovered looking into this was that all of this information that was out there was actually false and that the people were fabricating these claims to lift themselves up as historians for the JAG. Mm. And so we started debunking them through these videos, or I say that we did, I, I did. I, I, I say we because there's actually a couple other people that were kind of helping me run down some of this information. Mm. Uh, and I won't like, I won't, tell you exactly who these people are right now but but what happened is uh we ended up finding out that some of these people were even taking credit for development behind these games and they were never involved and some of these Ooh. people were taking credit for uh all, all kinds of stuff all kinds of stuff and, and we end up we end up finding out that this is happening and man it is just a freaking mess it's just absolutely a mess and um yeah 
So and it is such a more obscure thing to try to get credit for that it's odd that they'd be doing it to that level. But thinking of your your thirty two X and I saw that was like, you know, your first videos going going over that. I have to ask the question, I'm sure you've been asked it many times, but what is your favorite thirty two X game? probably virtual racing or stellar assault it's it's one of the two they're they're really close um i i think it just kind of depends on my mood but i i think those are the two best games on the 32x and stellar assault is just something very special in my opinion um i i think it's really underappreciated and i think it's it's clearly one of the best games um I, I did a video which was the top 10 32x games and i had an idea instead of just putting out my top 10 32x games i actually got in touch with people that i knew had played through most of the library if not the entire library and then i got them on board with the video and i laid down a requirement that they had to play every single game and then they had to formulate a list and then we we ranked the games one to ten on on the list that everybody sent me and we assigned points going in reverse so ten points for number one and one point for number ten and uh, we had people like john lineman on from uh, df retro i had uh, uh sean long on who is uh rgt 85 uh, Gita the next level was part of it mm -hmm. uh tyler who you recently had on your your mm -hmm. show here uh he was a part of that so so we got some people that are pretty well known in the community and that i knew were intimately involved and knowledgeable about that entire library and we had them submit their top 10 and stellar assault almost without exception came out mm. as number one or number two on every single person's list and the it was missing off one person's list and the only game to appear across all lists was virtual racing mm. but i think it speaks as a testament to both of those games as uh to how highly people regard those especially when you take such a large swath of these these games it was I, I can't remember how many people actually participated in this video submitting list but it was it ended up being something like half of the library receiving votes yeah <laughs> that's what i've said before because i think mean, i have 10 games it's only 30 some game library but even 10 games it's like i think they're all quality and even having like 30 percent games being in the library being good it's like that ain't too bad and it's a shame when you see like shadow squadron or the virtual racings and the virtual fighters of the world and you're like god what could have been if it just was yeah. like given time yeah. and love yeah and I, th I think you definitely have this issue with the 32x and a lot of that generation where um you know at the time people were looking at it compared to what was already hey you thank you the dinner has arrived hey guys um, soybeans <laughs> Yeah, so so I think that there's there's definitely an issue where people are looking at these games through the colored lens of the era, and the colored lens of the era was, uh, what is the graphics doing for me compared to the best available on a PC? And so you have a game like Raw that comes out, um, the WWF Raw that comes out, and it's not a very pretty game. They never really focus on the visuals. Essentially, every single release was just a full one-year upgrade from the previous version. Mm -hmm. And the best WWF game to come out up and through 1996 was Raw on the 32X. It doesn't look great. It got absolutely hammered by the press because it didn't look great. But you go and you play the game, it's actually very competent. There's nothing wrong with it. It's actually it's actually a good game. Um, it has quang. Nobody can, yeah, it certainly has Quang, but nobody considered <laughs> this to be a good game at the time because they would focus on, oh, you know, it looks like an early Genesis game and they just couldn't get over that. Well, now we go back and, and 
we look at these games and we're like, oh yeah, I like that look. I, I can appreciate that look. Mm -hmm. But so many of these games are coming out in 95 and 96, we're already moving on to, you know, the PlayStation and 3D graphics and Ridge Racing, you know, Tekken had hit the market and, you know, games that were sprite-based just, they weren't getting any love, yeah. you know? Yeah. They took the backseat. I mean, yeah, it was, it was the new flavor of the month, if you will. They're going to that 3D. And it's funny because I've said many times the PS1 and 64 are the worst aging consoles I can think of. I mean, when you look at things that age well, 8-bit, 16-bit, they've stood the test of time for the most part. And I think with flying colors. PS1 and 64, you can have some classics. But for the most part, that 3D polygonal style, like, sure, we may, like, have a, a nostalgia for it. But man, it just did not age as well. So, but it was the hot thing. It was like that we knew that was leading us to what we have now, which is insane. But it was, uh, yeah, you get wrapped up in the moment and don't appreciate that little in between. Yeah, you know, for me, being a young man when the '64 came out, um, I think all my friends hated me because I talked so much trash on that system. I hated it. <laughs> and I had nothing good to say about it. I and thought it was pure garbage. Up. <laughs> Did you talk about my love like that? By the way, Sean, I'm so glad you didn't know Jim before you did that 32X list because yeah. if somehow you would have gotten him on there, he would have screwed up the whole bell curve with that terrible selection for number one. Like one through ten, you'd have been like, why does he have something completely off the wall from everyone else? And everyone said this was the worst games on here. <laughs> Why is Motocross in here? Is he trolling me? What the? It's not, not a bad this game. Guy? It's not a bad game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, Jim and I said we the 32x. Um, I actually did go through and play through all of them when we were we were doing these crazy months of like let's do every game in a series or this or that. And that was perfect because that's about the length of a month. So we were like, we're going to do a whole month of all 32X games. That never came to fruition, but still it's something I would like to hit on because, um, like Jim said, it is a, it's a very interesting library. It's not just one, one note. There's a lot of different type of titles. And uh, like I said, I love your deep dives, but even more than just talking about the 32X, it's fascinating how much didn't come out and as Jim said, had they some of those titles came out on it, I don't know if it really would have changed the course of time because we knew things were coming down the pipeline, like moving on to new technologies. But still, like some of those games, were there any of those games that particularly still burn you that they didn't get released like more than others? Well, there's definitely one, and that's AVP. And I think everybody feels that way because I think the AVP, Capcom's AVP, by the yeah. way, let's, mm -hmm. let's make sure that we are... Oh, being yes. clear here <laughs> is one of the best arcade games of that era and it's never come home it's never come home except in some there's there's something that just came out i i heard but um it was, it's one know, of the um the stick the capcom shaped arcade stick they had yeah, yeah. not yeah. not the same not the right. same so so to have that uh, have that game canceled and knowing that it was only going to come out in the 32x was a massive heartbreaker for me and it's still the game i think that probably hurts the most that we didn't receive because I, I mean, it's an amazing. It, it would have been a system seller. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. I I I put that as my favorite 
that I used to play back in the day. Not that, that since I've discovered. That is my favorite arcade game. Like, don't get me wrong. As a kid, I love Simpsons. I love X-Men. Um, but, man, that game, it just hit differently. And it, it was so much fun. And I and, actually... And it still holds up, too. Because oh, uh, I, yeah. I, I mean, we'll get on, like, one of those Pandora 4 boxes over... I have a friend. His name's Armando. He owns a, a retro game store in Ontario, California called Pixel Vault. And I'll go hang out at his store and he has, uh, you know, a, a Pandora 4 or 5 or whatever it is with the, you know, the arcade style setup. And I'll take my kids down there and we'll play through AVP and they're loving it, you know, and still I'm holds still up very much. Yeah. It's fantastic <laughs> still. Yeah. Now, yeah, that 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 really is a great game. I, I think, uh, yeah, if that would have hit it, I mean, who knows? I think I, you definitely would have moved a lot more. And it could have potentially opened up the idea of Sega even getting more of those arcade titles ported over, if possible. Because, you know, unfortunately at that time, the only system you can think of when you think arcade games that were ported well was Neo Geo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that no, I felt like nobody I knew could afford that. So, Yeah, I've still... Uh... I'm trying to think if I know anybody even owns one. I mean, I own a Neo Geo, but I'm I'm like really into this stuff. But I don't ever remember seeing one until I actually bought one. That's the first time I ever yeah. saw one. So <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. If you grew up in a big city, though, like a, like a guy like Bob from Retro RGB, you know, he grew up in New York and he knew all these guys that own these arcade units, and you know, they're just always around that stuff. But you know, the reality is that for anybody that was uh, outside of those areas, you just didn't see that stuff. It just wasn't around. I, I don't even remember seeing Neo Geo cabs in arcades out where we lived or, you know, just uh, out in these more rural areas. You just didn't yeah. see see that stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, Brian and I are both from the Philly area, and I didn't even know about Neo Geo or Turbo Graphics until I started really getting deep into the whole retro gaming scene on YouTube, like 2011, 2012. I'm like, wait, this was out back then? I never even heard of this. Like, I didn't get magazines or anything either, but it's still like, damn, all the shit I missed out on. Yeah. Yeah, in, in our grade school, uh, there was a kid. He was probably, well, looking back, he definitely must have been, like, the richest kid in our area. And he had, an, and he would, like, talk crap to everyone about, like, having Super Genesis or or, or, or Sega Genesis or Super NES. And we'd make fun of him. We're like, you have a system nobody even knows. What are you talking about? You have a Neo Geo. Like, what is that? Like, we hadn't even heard of it, so it was so foreign. But welcome yeah, back. It's yeah, it's funny because <laughs> you, you know you look through the magazines when you're a kid, and you're seeing like the CDI is coming out. You're seeing the TurboGrafx 16s coming out. You're drooling over these things. The 3DO is coming out. You're drooling over it, you know. And for me, you never seen any of the stuff ever hit market. But I mean, I would have traded my everything Sega for this stuff. But <laughs> then you go and you actually acquire it and you start playing it. And, and there's definitely some merits to these systems. But a good game is just a good is a good game on yeah. any system. Right. And um, and graphics, as you get older, as, as I said earlier, they just don't really have the impact that they once did. So, really, the Super Nintendo, the Genesis, just have such quality libraries. I, I wouldn't really trade them for almost anything. And um, especially knowing what I know now, back then, I, w- I would have to tell myself, don't don't trade them if you can, <laughs> because you will not enjoy the games as much as you're enjoying your systems now. Yeah, no, that 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 is a great point. But um, we did want to ask though, so. You know, between doing these documentaries, between just uh, when you are able to do some of these reviews, what have you been able to actually play recently? Like, do you have any games that you can play more casually or are, are you playing anything that's kind of in the works? That's that's really your time consumer right now. 
Yeah, um, mainly I've been playing through Gizmondo games. <laughs> so, uh, but outside of the Gizmondo, I've been playing Paprium. I'm trying to get through the whole entire game there. I, I got my copy back in December, and that's that's really the main deal I've been, I've been doing. I also kind of like sports games, and I have the new NBA 2K game, and uh, I've been playing that, although it's kind of crappy compared to a lot of the older ones so it's it's kind of like a mixed bag it's uh obviously it's just a big money sink and i refuse to give them a dime outside of the purchase <laughs> price yeah so it's, it's not quite as enjoyable but i try to play some of the more old school modes like uh you know team manager or whatnot and it's it's all right it's it's a a good 15 minutes to kill if if i want to turn on a game and and, and just play yeah just just play yeah yeah what about you jim have you uh you been playing anything this past week well, I finally finished up Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero for the review we're going to be doing on that. Oh, man. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I remember owning that game when it was new and I hated it. So would I like it now or would I still hate it? That's like a question I always have to ask myself. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Even as, a, as an interesting thing to talk about. And I got mine, like, God, I miss EB Games because I got it when... Only a year or two into the PS2 when they would send you, like, $5 five game bundles for 5 bucks. So that complete, like, fresh, no one ever touched it, was in there. And I played it for a little bit, and I was like, oh, my God, I hate this. So I was like, all right, we'll put it away. And funny enough, when Brian and I were first, even two to three years before we even started the page, we were like, okay, we're going to be an AVGN ripoff, so let's do, what game do you want to do? And I was like, we're doing Mythology Sub-Zero. And we played it for, like, an afternoon. We made our notes, and we never did anything with it. But it's like, one of these days, we're going to get back to it. <laughs> so we wound up doing all the friggin' Mortal Kombat games, and everyone's like, like where's the spinoffs? Uh, <laughs> yep. So they're all asking for the spinoffs, so of course we're going to be going back with that. So, yeah, I had played through Special Forces already. Joy. And, yeah, finished up uh, Mythologies. But also, finally got around to Panzer Dragoon Remake, and... Hmm. Eh. Like, I never played Panzer Dragoon. I never had a Saturn. That's, like, the biggest gaping hole in my, like, whole collection and, like, gaming library history. So I wasn't around for it, like, back when it was new. And I don't know. I just can't... I can't get with that. Like, no matter what I try, maybe it's me using a Joy-Con and I should use my Pro Controller. But it never feels like the, like the aiming ever works outside of, like, just doing the homing attack the entire time. Which, to yeah, me, well... is... Uh, um, I'm not like a huge Panzer Dragoon fan. It's, it's probably almost sacrilegious to say that, <laughs> but I, I, but everybody I know that is a massive fan hates that new game. They absolutely hate okay. it. So I yeah, don't think I, you're you're necessarily out of the Panzer Dragoon boat yet until you go back and try some of the original games. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about all that can be said there. Right, I do have Orta, so maybe I'll finally get around to playing that and be like, oh, this is this game, but fun. So. Hopefully that, you know, hopefully that wipes the uh, the taste out of my mouth. But speaking of old stuff I've been going back to, I also finally, I got uh, the re-release for Episode 1 Racer. And I was like, let me pop this in. And it's basically like, they did a good job with it. They basically optimized the, uh, I'm going to guess the Dreamcast version. And they just made a widescreen and threw it on the new systems. And I have it on a Switch. And the cutscenes are choppy as hell, but the gameplay itself is like silky smooth, which is all that matters. So I'm playing it more now than I ever did even back in the day. I'm like, yeah, that's one this of the, is pretty damn fun. That was one of the few games on the 64 that I felt was pretty fun. Oh, yeah, it was, like, it was pretty damn fun back in the day. Like, that was always, like, a rental. That was, like, a recurring rental until I, like, eventually bought it, like, years down the line. But then I was like, oh, I'll play this eventually. I played it enough back in the day. 
But now playing this cleaner version, I'm like, man, the gameplay still really holds up. It's nice to just have, like, simple, like, no frills, but, like, still just, like, stupid, stupid, crazy speeds and stuff like that without a lot of the gimmicks with it. And just, you know, a nice little throwback to the childhood. So, yeah, I'm impressed there. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the games. Um, I, I went through the whole 64 library, I, not for my channel, just for my own self. And I think I played every single game just to kind of see if I can find some gems in there that I would I would appreciate. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, there is some games that I like, but there's like five. For the most part, for the most part I actually kind of hate the library. And uh, but I do remember that being one of them. There, there's another game. I think it's man. I and I owned it when the game was new. I still own it somewhere, and I think it's called Silicon Valley Space Station or Space Station Silicon yeah, Valley. That's a weird one. Yep. I've been afraid to go back to it because I remember loving it and it being the only game I actually really liked back in in the '90s. And so sometimes that can be really dangerous, you know, going to revisiting these positive mm -hmm. memories because maybe they're not quite as good as you remember. Rose tinted glasses. Yeah. And plus, Jim, you are you're also recognizing probably too that you're not using the terrible controller while you're playing the new game. So that probably is never helps. an issue, Brian. The controller is <laughs> perfectly fine. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, like Sean's saying, maybe you're just not, you're, you're not giving up the fact that that controller is no good and you, you're overcompensating. And now if you could play it on a good, something better, you know, some of the games It was are revolutionary. Okay. It was not it revolutionary. It gave us rumble. It gave us a stick. You shut your mouth. You can hold it a few different ways. Um, no, it's funny you're talking about 64 because <sighs> our good buddy, Astral, who decided to send us or ask us to review Donkey Kong 64. I am still going through that. Hmm. And, uh, oh, does Sean have it on hand? Oh, oh, oh what's he doing? Yep. Yep. There uh, there's that terrible thing. If you want to burn that, you can just go ahead and do that because that's... Uh, I'm I'm still very early. I'm a few hours into the game, and I've uh, it's called the collectathon that that game is, and the amount of backtracking so far has just made it like I I just find myself getting bored with it very easily, and the annoyance of missing jumps because the camera is not that good, even with the lock on feature. It uh, I'm waiting for it to get real spectacular if it ever does. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I really struggled with the 64 when it was new and even revisiting it. I mean, the games that I really like are games that you probably would never think of for the most part. But I I, I think that even in hindsight, you know, I or like you know, with, with with my perspective from today, it really hasn't changed very much. I, I I felt that the same issues that were prevalent at the time that nobody else seemed to care about were issues that I still have as I go back and I play these games today. And I just um. There's just not much that excites me on the N64, unless it's track and field 2000. Ooh. <laughs> I would say hit the, hit the Japanese-only titles. There's some good ones in there. They kept it 2D. No, but here's well, the deal. The, the N64, I think it gets over-loved because it was the great and still is a fun... It's a party console. It's fun with your friends. You do Goldeneye, you do Mario Party, you do Smash, you do all those. Those, those Mario yeah. Party games are phenomenal. Yeah. Nah, phenomenal. Right. And you're never going to take that away from it. But it's like outside of that small window of the multiplayer games and the, the wrestling games were good. Outside of that, it. I mean, yes, there are a few others. But to be honest, we all have to be like, okay, there, it really wasn't that good. And the overt love for it. It's just like I think people trying to say they love something just because they know everyone else hates it, Jim. 
What? It's like being a Mets fan. You know it's not the best, but it's your guy. <laughs> I'd rather just people just be like, yeah, no, it is terrible, but I like terrible. No, it's it, definitely the most overly loved nostalgically and also the most overly bashed in like modern like retro gaming these days, too. There's like no fine line with it. It's not like, yeah, yeah it's got a lot of problems, but it's some fun. It's just like, no, it's either shit or no, it's like great and you're stupid. It definitely has some merit, you know, and and some of the games that are really appreciated back when I uh, back when the system was actually active was sports games for me. And um, but then again, that was maybe because of the PlayStation that actually kind of pulled me in. And then I kind of jumped off the PlayStation, got into the N64 because there was some interesting games on there that that I wasn't able to find on the PlayStation. And um, I still think that a lot of those games actually hold up extremely well. And what's kind of interesting for me um, which is, I, I don't think it's something I've ever really talked about before, but one of my favorite systems of all time is the GameCube. I, I probably have more hours playing the GameCube than almost every, any other console out there, and it's something I always intended to cover on my channel. I just I just never have. And one of the reasons I wanted to pick up a GameCube is because I started getting into the 64 a little bit more, and there was three games coming out, and then they canceled them and moved them to the GameCube, and that was Animal Forest, which is Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. and then Cubivore. And then the other one was Dosh and the Giant, which never released in the U.S. So I went down, I picked up a GameCube day one. And before that, I was a big uh, Sony guy, had all the Sony systems. Uh, not Sony, excuse me, Sega systems. And I had Sony systems, and I really never owned a Nintendo system um, early, at least. You know, I typically yeah. if I acquired one, it was because I traded something for it and got it for nothing. And right. that, was the, that was kind of the deal. My brother had a Super Nintendo, and... Uh, when I was like really young, I had saved up money with my sister and we bought a regular Nintendo back in the 80s and I had a stack of games for that system. And so it's not that I didn't love Nintendo, I just didn't feel like there was like any games that really spoke to me on the system. And I, I still kind of feel that, like that today. Uh, but I appreciate what they were doing because essentially they're kind of like 90s films where uh, you take these science fiction films and you have this atrocious computer CG that looked incredible back in the 90s. Yep. But now you go back and you look at it 20 years or 30 years down the road and it just looks absolutely horrific and the movie's unwatchable and it absolutely just rips you out of the space. And and uh, the 64 is very similar in that regard. And, it, it, you know, they're not necessarily alone in that space. You know, the, the Saturn has the same issues and and the PlayStation has the same issues with, with certain games. But I just felt like it was more... Prim- the, the terribleness of it all was more pronounced on the 64 and there really was no getting away from it. Yeah. And the controller. Let's not forget the controller. Sir! <laughs> Those C buttons. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's problems for sure. But yeah, like also we said earlier, like it's just a shame that they move away from 2D because you look at a lot of the Japanese games on the Saturn or even something like Bangayo on the N64, it's like, oh, this is what all these could have done with 2D. Oh, we really missed out, didn't we? <laughs> Yeah, and you look at some of the 3D games, like a, my favorite Sega Saturn game is Stellar Assault SS, which is <clears throat> a sequel to the 32X game. And the game is absolutely incredible. It's, it's one of the most gorgeous games on the system. It's fully voice acted by professional voice actors out of Japan. It never released outside of Japan, but like they, they had people that were uh, on the, the Star Trek Next Generation oh, wow. voice acting on that game. Wow. So, I, I mean, and you had popular people that we wouldn't know over here, but you go and you look up their bios and they're actually in major films over there in Japan, voice acting on that game. And the whole entire deal is incredible from top to bottom, the visuals, the music, the voice acting. It's like one of the, the best productions I've ever seen on a system. And I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that people are, are thinking like, Genovi, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But I, I can't think of anything similar on on the 64. It, I just, 
the car really hampered that from happening. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's I amazing. have a feeling. I have a feeling that that cart, the whole entire idea behind the cart, and then refusing to go to CD, has something to do with the relationship with Sony and uh, in that contract there. I, I don't think that you would have ever seen. I, you know, I don't. I don't ever hear anybody ever talking about that. But to me, it's it's very clear uh, when I looked into that that there was an ironclad agreement between them and Sony, and that kind of forced their hand to continue to have this cart physical media until they're able to move on to something that was not CD based. And that was the, the mini DVDs with the GameCube. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, it was probably, I mean, knowing Nintendo, the way we know them, especially Nintendo Japan, it was definitely spite and a lot of the copyright protection that they have a boner for. But that's one thing I loved from your video about the, uh, basically breaking down how the 32X and Saturn weren't failures in their day. Like they were still profitable, but the conversation that the guy from, uh, Sony had with Sega when he's like, don't make this move to 3D and try to compete with us. We can make our own stuff in-house. You're not going to beat us. We're going to make all the profit. And I was like, man, I never even thought of it that way. Yeah, in fact, they and, and Sega knew this. And Sony's like, hey, you know, we're doing this, and we'd rather have you on board with us. Why don't you just sell our the system? Well, you know, I, I don't know what the deal was, but it was a fair deal. So they went to Tom Kalinske, and then they went to the people that were not the CEO of Sega at the time, but the people right underneath them and they all like looked at this deal and they said, Hey, this is excellent. We, we need to do this deal for the next system. Let's get on board and partner with Sony. And then they took it to, I think it was, uh, I'm trying to remember who was the president at the time it was Nakayama or whoever it was. And he's like, yeah, no, nope. Sorry. I, I don't care if you guys think it's all a great idea. We're not doing it. And that's really unfortunate because they had this, this great opportunity to kind of step it up. But uh, it, it's kind of funny just how, these things kind of come and go, and there's definitely a lot of a lot of opportunity for both. Well, not so much for Nintendo. It was a terrible. That was a terrible deal. They really needed to step away from from Sony. They they didn't realize the deal that they were getting themselves into with Sony with that Nintendo PlayStation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but Sega, on the other hand, though, yeah, it, it's just it, and it, and it's also kind of funny looking over at like the PS3 and the PS4 and the PS5, and really all these are just kind of up. I. I Maybe not technically off-the-shelf parts, but technically they're not really being designed and manufactured in-house by by Sony anymore. It's very much more uh, akin to what Sega was doing in the mid-90s to build these systems. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... uh, Yeah, I... When you hear about stories like that, it seems like too crazy. But it's funny, because Jim and I talked about... um, Xbox has recently been purchasing up a whole bunch of, uh, I guess, like, uh, AAA, not not all AAA, but a few different game developers. But there was a story leaked, like, for a while there, like, Xbox is going to buy Sega. Xbox is going to buy this and that. And we laughed about it, but it's kind of like that same old hat where we said, would it be that bad of an idea if they did? Like for sega to go that route because xbox is clearly in this point where they're they're just going to keep churning it out and if they can keep buying those type of companies it just kind of makes sense after a certain point um nintendo will always be a juggernaut but still i think was it xbox that also tried to do that to nintendo too didn't they offer (laughs) that yeah they got laughed out of the room back in the uh the gamecube days i think when they were like just starting up yeah so it's but I can understand it, like, you know, uh, Nintendo is one of those, how they've handled some of their items and s- how they handle the fan service, unfortunately, has been terrible recently. But uh, 
hopefully they never go down that because I don't ever want to see Nintendo completely get flushed down the toilet. Um, but it's one of those you hear about these deals that do get offered, and if Sega if Sega did, who knows where they'd be right now if they if they went with Sony down that path. Well, they definitely have some good properties, and uh, like uh, one of my favorite games of all time or series is the Persona series, which they own. And yeah. um, I know another one that people really love. I haven't played it, but the Yakuza series. Oh yeah, they own that, you know. And and they have a lot of different properties that they own as well. A lot of IP that are just incredible that I don't think they really take advantage of as much as they should. And that's quite unfortunate. So uh, yeah, I mean, at this point. Um, it's just a bunch of IPs and a lot of the people that really were making the games that we truly loved are gone. So would it be so bad if they actually were acquired by Microsoft? Uh, not necessarily, because I, I think that things just continue to go on. And and at some point, somebody new needs to step to the plate, whether that's under a Sega umbrella, which is clearly not the same Sega that we were growing up with, because the Sega Sammy mer merger happened in the early 2000s. And that was essentially, you know, the Dreamcast was the end of the old Sega in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but, but who knows, who knows what's going to happen with that? Yeah, no, no, for definitely. But, um, Jim, I did want to ask you before I have to run and grab another one. Go on. What did you start drinking this episode? Well, Bri, I am drinking the Creek Nouveau Sour Aged in Oak Casks with Cherries comes to us from the Free World Brewing Company. It's the 2017 edition of it. 6.9% alcohol by volume. Uh, only 1,600 bottles of this were produced. And basically, it's a lot of French on the back here. <laughs> Fude and barrel-aged sour ale with cherries blended up to three-year-old vintages. Vibrantly red-hued, filled with abundant fruit notes and a complexity from long-term aging. This is your take on the classic Belgian creek. Enjoy by 2022. Haha, just to make a make time. So, you used to go straight from the bottle? <laughs> I should have been. Oh, well, we're actually doing a, uh, a buddy's podcast tomorrow, and they run a beer channel mainly. I should have saved this for that and just drank it out of the bottle and give them all a stroke. So, Jim, you're sticking with your family roots. I like it. Son of a bitch. But it's actually funny with this, because the farther down the bottle I've gone, there's been, like, way... It started off, like, kind of somewhat clear and, like, you know, amberish. Mm -hmm. And at the bottom, it's just deep red and like milky like all the sedimentation definitely getting, like dropped yeah. at the bottom from all the cherries and all so it's almost yeah, like two some, different tastes is that something you can shake could have given it a shot and it was actually corked so i'm sure if i shaked it it would just like explode it in my kitchen the way it would have been with like champagne <laughs> or something like that why well, I, I think we'd all pay to see that make sure yeah, you get on video exactly patreon.com which i'll get to. <laughs> nice yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going with the Springhouse Brewing Company's From Hellheim with Love. It's their hazy Indian pale ale with Simcoe, Citra, Mosaic, and Terry's Tears. I don't know what that means, but it's... No, you, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, 6.8%, really cool-looking can. Um, I'm already done my first one, but as I showed, I actually tweeted out a picture of it and put it on our Instagram. Um, it looks like every other hazy IPA, but the the head on this thing was like almost sea foamish. It was like a thick layer of it that just would not dissipate no matter what I waited for. So I actually wiped it off, which I never do in my beers. It, other than that, violation. Yeah. Other than that, it's, uh, 
Um, uh, can I say something positive? It's 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 like most hazy IPA. Like like it's nothing bad. That's, that's not a good comment. No, no, can no. I say something positive? Hmm. Like like like. Well, it's not crap. Uh, no, that's it's it's like whenever you play a game and it's just very average. Like you don't know what else to say. You're like it's not bad. It just doesn't do anything spectacular. But if you want a hazy IPA and you like this can. And I would say go with it. Go with it. How about you, Sean? What do you got there? I, I, just water. Just, I just water. Have a, a, a water bottle. Nothing, <laughs> nothing spectacular on my end. Oh, someone doesn't want a headache at work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that that bottle did look like like a custom Budweiser can for a second. Yeah, been... this is a. I've, I've had it for a while. It's called Path Water, okay. and it it's just like a a metal container that had water in it when i bought it and uh yeah i just keep on refilling it so nice, nice. there you go now have you ever imbibed it all or are you just like not a big drinker in general i, I don't drink at all so okay nice. no problem I, i'm probably the only person with a retro gaming channel that does not drink because uh <laughs> I, I have quite a few friends in the community and i'll go out with them like a, we'll go to portland or whatnot and all those guys are getting smashed and I'm like yeah i guess i'm i could be designated driver if you guys need i'm just here to chill i don't drink but it's, i'm cool with you guys doing what you need to do Okay, we he can be the one who can hold my leash next time we uh we're at a convention. <laughs> I tend to wander. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of, I'm gonna real quick go grab my next beer. So hon, I will be right back. All right, so Jim, what do we have from our Patreons this week? Well, Brian, at Patreon.com/slash/DrinkABeerPlayAGame, we're for as little as two measly dollars per month. You can ask a question on, we will answer on each and every single one of these Power Hour podcasts. So, only one question this week, and it was my okay. fault. I put out many reminders. It wasn't my freaking fault this time. But, it's still your fault. Yeah, it always is. But it's from our good buddy, Gamer Astral. And he says, have you ever considered starting a new channel, maybe a side project from DVPG or Genovi? So, yeah, I mean, hmm. see, bro, you already have a couple side projects going on. I mean, yeah, but they're completely, I don't, I will never put time into a channel like I do this one. Like me and my wife have a podcast, but I didn't turn it into a YouTube channel. We, it's strictly just a podcast. We talk about, you know, horror things. Um, I have, I have a horror YouTube channel, but that is so, it takes hobby to a different level. It's like, if I get time every couple months i'll throw together a video and that's one where uh jim knows one thing i love is making lists oh and yeah it's my excuse to just put together a list of like favorite horror movies of this or favorite dad that it like it's just for pure fun it's not meant for like trying to get eyeball so that's just an escape to do that thing but outside of that it's like <laughs> no after putting the work we do in this Thinking about restarting and trying to do another project channel. Maybe when I'm like 60 and have some time. But yeah, I don't think anytime soon. Time? What's that? <laughs> well, me and you have the uh, the disadvantage of having the three and four-year-olds where at least, you know, Sean kids are a little older. So they don't have to yeah. take up quite as much attention in the day-to-day. -day. Hey, hey that, that's where you're wrong. That, that is where you're wrong. Okay. Yeah, oh, God, he's never ends. And, and oh, high school ages. 
<laughs> Only when they're out of the house. <laughs> yeah, because then you got sports and other activities that just now you got to go practice and you got to do this, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that's that's the reality of the situation when they're when they're five and six years old. Not a big deal. Just uh, they sleep in, run into the room, record your show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Jim? Did you uh, any thoughts? I don't know. If this was a couple years ago, I maybe would have done a wrestling channel, but I just don't care about any of it anymore. Maybe <laughs> I would be fun to have, like, almost like I like local sports, so maybe almost have, like, a live stream show, almost like a call-in, like, actual radio show. I can just sit there and bitch about how terrible Philly sports is day after day, year after year, season after season of mediocrity and two championships in 150 years worth of seasons during my lifetime, but that's beyond the point. But, yeah, maybe just something along those lines or... Hell, with my with my recent addiction to stocks, I can still enjoy the joy of looking at numbers that never go up day after day. <laughs> it's so healthy. Oh, man. It's so, so healthy. <laughs> what about you, Sean? Has, has there ever been, like, another avenue you want to explore for a YouTuber or, or like, create another channel? Uh, I don't know about another channel necessarily. Um, I definitely have considered, you know, kind of, the same idea and concept that I do on my channel and, and broadening that out to maybe non-game related items. But um, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Uh, probably. Hold on. What's up, Ezra? I know. <laughs> Ezra, I'm on a show right now. Ezra. <laughs> do you want to say hi real quick? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, it's my son. So, no, no, okay. <laughs> um, right, let me do a quick clap. God. All right. Yeah. So, so for me, I think that the only thing that would really make sense is a new show that strictly covered retro games and gaming related stuff that's happening now because I, I don't think it's really any solid source for that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you know, stuff that would be talking about new games on old systems and, uh, you know, some of these new arcades uh, units that are coming out that are showcasing these older games and whatnot. Um, I, I don't think it's something I'd ever really do because I don't really have the time. All my time actually goes into my show if I have free time. But I always felt like there's like a need for that because I'm really interested in that stuff. I'm interested in what's coming out in the Vetrex. Who has new homebrews going on for the 5200? And, you know, unless you're like really plugged into those communities, it's super easy to miss out on some of that stuff and then miss the pre-orders and then you can't even get the game anymore. And, uh, yeah, th that would be the deal. If I was going to do another show, it, it would require having other people on board to cover stuff. But it would be essentially like a 10-minute weekly roundup new show that covered anything that was going on in the retro gaming sphere that was gaming-related for these older systems. That would be a really... I, I like that idea a lot because I have seen those homebrews. And yeah, the number that get produced. And you don't know what's out there. This is... And this is one... Uh, and I know some people are a little adverse to it, but... This is where I think emulation has its value because if you find out there's a game and you just weren't into there and you want to try it out, like I'm sure they're available on who knows what, a, however many different libraries, but that would be really awesome because there are, I've seen some homebrews and they're really, really well done and they're faithfully done too. Like there was a lot of Castlevania ones and that was one of my favorite series as a kid. And some of them are hard as anything, but some of them look like a legit they came from Konami, 
sound was great uh i i like that that is a really interesting idea because if you're someone who has just a really you know you're tied to those old systems and you don't really want to get into the new ones that could be a good alternative yeah, I mean, I, I pick up a lot of these, um, I call them aftermarket games. I, I try to stay away from the term homebrew unless it's just somebody who's a hobbyist. But a lot of these titles are so polished that, like, you know, like a game like Tanglewood or Paprium, where you mm -hmm. have actual professionals working behind the scenes on these games. And and then you get into, like, uh, you know, I mentioned the Vetrix, which is kind of sitting over here to the side for me, but it's one of my favorite. I don't know if you guys can even see it, but it's one of my... Oh, I can Jim, see Jim wants a Vectrix. Yes, yeah, so it's one of my <laughs> all-time favorite systems. And, you know... There's probably at least uh, two to three new games coming out for the system every single year, but good luck. Good luck knowing about them <laughs> and, and, and actually getting any kind of information before the pre-order time runs out on this stuff. And, and and the Vetrix isn't exclusive to that. It's just the one that I think of, that in 5200. And to have a resource that really kind of just filled people in and be like, oh, hey, you know, here's a new game that was just announced. It was like, there was games all the time to go up on Kickstarter for these systems. And then all of a sudden, I'm hearing about a game. It's like, oh, hey, Genova, did you hear about this game is coming out? I'm like, oh, man, I want that. And I go over there. It's like, <laughs> Kickstarter already ended. How in the hell am I going to get it? You know? And it's... Right. So, yeah. Well, it's funny because unless you have a, like a YouTuber who's actually like, say, in a company, like Gamestar81 with Collector Vision, like unless you have a guy who's like actively promoting the games he's working on and stuff like that, now you're supposed to know until it's after the fact, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's like, always after the fact, right? There's really nobody, for the most part, covering any of this stuff in any meaningful way in one place. And, uh, you know, if they do, it's typically it's, uh, you know, they're connected to the project in some way or it's a friend of theirs or or, or something. But yeah. um, I, I, I have found that to be a real issue. And, um, you know, if I could actually get people that would be willing to come on board with me on something like that, I would definitely start a channel that actually put up a weekly video and probably cover some of the Sega stuff myself or split it between a guy like myself. And uh, there's a friend of mine named Stika who's really into these aftermarket games. He buys almost every single one on a Sega s system that comes out. And his channel is mainly reviews for these games now. Uh, it's mainly a review channel. But, yeah, it's a, it's an issue. It definitely is an issue if you're into this stuff because it's just so it's so gate kept essentially and uh and getting inside those gates to kind of figure out what's going on before it's too late it's oftentimes now you, impossible now do you feel like the communities around them almost like hoard them to make sure that like no the word doesn't get out there so they can make sure they get theirs before it goes out or is it just a uh was it just a luck of the draw kind of thing? Do you think? Uh, I, I think it's a luck of the draw kind of deal it's kind of like a, there's a company called pico interactive and i yep. always i feel like pico interactive is a company that needs to hire a PR person and stay off of the internet because they're just absolutely detrimental to the work that they're doing. Yeah, they uh, are. They are their own worst enemy is probably the best way to put it. And I think a lot of these people, they just don't really know how to get word out in a proper way. And they'll do these like little side projects and um, it, it just ends up only reaching the people with, that are within shouting distance a lot of times. So they will be on some obscure website or like, uh, I, I think that the virtual boy is really interesting because there's so many neat projects to come out on that, but if you're not in the V, it's, uh, I think it's called Virtual Boy Planet Forums, mm -hmm. then uh, when something is announced and you miss it by a week or two, you're you're not gonna ever get it again. You're, you know, it's just yeah. it's like okay, yeah. like if you want it, put your name in here, and then all of a sudden it's like for a guy like me, I don't I don't visit those forums very often. I don't have no reason to. I might pop in there like once every couple months. Same with like Sega 16, and I'm a big Sega guy. You know, I might pop in there like a couple times a year. So all the time, it's like you pop over there and you, you see it's like okay, well somebody took pre-orders here, and but it, it closed. It opened and it closed between the time that I last visited, and. Um, and I think that's 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 generally the issue is that people live 
in one area and that's where everything happens and if you don't have somebody plugged into that area that's going to check that that out every single day you know thankfully now for like virtual boy stuff i kind of have like a go-to person which is candy she has a, a channel called uh, candy's classic game shrine and she covers virtual boy stuff she's like really passionate about it so like you have a new virtual boy cart coming out uh, a flash cart and she just covered that on her channel i would have never known about it beyond that you know so right. But that, but that comes back to the problem, though. She covers Virtual Boy stuff almost exclusively on her channel, and I'm plugged into that channel. But if you're not plugged into her channel, where else are you going to hear about new Virtual Boy stuff coming out, even if you like the system? You know, that, yeah. that, that requires you actually living on Planet Virtual Boy forums. And that's just not going to – that's just not realistic for a lot of people, especially if you have a wide – a wide range of interests as far as gaming systems go or, or video games go. And I think a lot of people do. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's actually not to backtrack a little bit, but it's funny you mentioned like Pico Interactive's their PR and like their social media because they remind me a lot of like Polymega last year. Just oh, like constantly with their online presence of just shooting themselves in the foot. And like Pico, like I have a couple of their games and, you know, they're all right. Like, you know, for being unreleased games or like kind of homebrewish stuff that they're releasing or stuff that was meant to be ported that never got an official release. But like I saw them in an argument with like Voltar and like Bob Retro RGB and stuff like that, like that crew. And I'm just like, oh, no, no, dude. Like I'm seeing the way he's trying to defend like the old releases and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you're not going to win this battle, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, like like they have multiple issues that people are pointing out that, you know, like the, the boards are too thick. So it actually damages the pins. They, they had some I, and I'm not, you know, I'm like a farm boy, so I don't understand circuitry necessarily. But, you know, right. some circuitry issues that could pro cause internal issue uh, damage to the console itself. And, you know, these are all legitimate problems. And they're having people reach out in good faith to share their concerns and then those people are, are, are in turn being attacked and and that yeah. is a problem and it's interesting that you bring up like the polymega deal because when that was all announced it was called like a retro blocks or whatever it was originally announced announced yep. as and i thought man this is like the biggest scam of all time and <laughs> and funny enough a bunch of my friends in the southern california retro game scene actually knew these guys and they said no man i seen it it's not a scam Genovi. But these guys are just completely incompetent on running any kind of social media or actually dealing with the public. That's the problem. And that's, yep. that's completely the problem more often than not. These people don't know how to interact with the public yeah. and how to actually run, you know, the, you know, it's like if, if you actually go to a good restaurant, a lot of the times the chef actually owns the restaurant and he's not the front of the house all the time, you know? Ooh. So they actually hire somebody who's the front of the house who is personable and knows how to interact <laughs> with the public and knows yep. how to present stuff. And, and it's... Uh, uh, again and again in the gaming sphere, though, you find that it is the people that should least be dealing with people in the social sense that are at, that are taking over those those avenues, like like the, like a Fonzie from um, Watermelon, you know, absolutely oh, yeah. a brilliant person. And I don't feel I don't hold no ill will towards the man whatsoever. I never thought that the game wasn't coming out. I had a lot of faith in it. I felt that there's probably problems behind the scene. I never canceled it. I got my game. You know, people are upset with him, but um, he's somebody that should never be in front of a camera. He's somebody that should ne not have any kind of control over their social media. He, he's not, because because every time they open their mouth, they end up causing more damage to their brand and they don't ever help their cause, no matter how well intentioned any of it is. Yeah, and he's almost like, he tries to do that thing where he's like jokey trolly and almost making a joke out of it. But it's like, dude, your game's delayed by four years. Like, it's not what people want to hear right now. Like, now's not the time. Like, that kind of deal. Yeah, he's almost, he's like, like um, 
he like almost like a savant in a way, but he just like does he's missing that one little like circuit right there for like just to be able to read the room kind of deal. Yeah. I there mean that, that's a now, every yeah. Now were you as every... shocked as everyone else when you just randomly had that package at your door with Paprium in it? No, I mean when when they started shipping it, I guess I was shocked when when they started shipping it because you know they had just kind of gone dark and we didn't know what was what was happening necessarily. Um, but we know what I say. We it's like myself and a group of friends that kind of cover this stuff. I, I actually I did like this documentary maybe four years ago called Why We Create, and this was mm. before a lot of games came out that are kind of like big now, like uh like Xeno Crisis and Tinglewood, and I reached out to a lot of these guys that were developing this game these games and I got them on board and actually did these really lengthy kind of off the record interviews with these guys. And Fonzie was the one guy that never returned any of my correspondence at all. Like none of watermelon. I just, it was just nothing. And so it was interesting because, you know, I get like these, like, uh, like, um, um, gosh dang it. Um, I'm just having a complete brain fart with these guys, these guys' names right now. But but the guy behind uh, Tanglewood, um, his name's Matt. I can't remember his last name. And then oh yeah 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 from uh, Big Evil or whatever. Yeah. yeah, and then the guy behind Xeno Crisis, and his name is Mike. I, I should. I just know him as the Bitmap guy. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm like I'm, I'm sure. And then and then I reached out to the people that did the uh, Titan demo. Have you have you seen that? No, I don't know about that one. The Titan demo team. You should you should look that up. That's like uh, that's some of the most incredible work I've ever seen on a Mega Drive. But there's a team from Europe called um, uh, the Titan Demo Team, and they made these two demos for the Mega Drive, which are you know like showcases of the hardware and what could what can actually be achieved. I'll I'll, I'll send you over some links after. Were they after the this. ones who did that like blast processing like still image that like completely used a color palette and everything at once, or was that someone else? that's probably somebody else that they're uh i believe that their deal is called overdrive one and two if i'm if i'm remembering Wait, oh are they the ones that were like showing how ridiculous the sound channels could be or is that someone else that there's was so many some... people who are just tinkering with all this stuff so yeah they, they, these are these are people that actually created full-on tech demos and then took them to these competitions because this is like kind of a popular deal this is actually something oh, like once okay. once covid lifts I would love to buy a ticket and go over there and actually start covering the demo scene in a dedicated video. That'd be like a dream of mine is, is covering the Amiga de demo scene and then how a lot of these Amiga guys actually came over and bled into the, the Mega Drive scene. And you actually have this big demo scene. And, and the demo scene isn't about gameplay necessarily. It's about actually putting together like these visual representations and musical representations that are it's like a cohesive piece of art from start to end <clears throat> they're not necessarily interactive you know it's just uh right. completely completely showcasing what the system can sure, do yeah. through a piece of of fully com compiled and organized art and in you know and that that is visually in in both uh audio nice that would be really cool to see because i didn't know it even those type of things happen with that but yeah no i mean it sounds like you, for someone who does want to stick to his uh, channel, it sounds like you have a lot of good ideas for other stuff, too. <laughs> you know, covering all these other other items. But um, who, I can't even remember, Jim. Who asked us that question? Oh, for other uh, channels? Astral. Yeah. yeah. Astral. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, good Astral. Question. Ho hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that wasn't too long of a segment for you. <laughs> hey, he made he's making me play Donkey Kong 64. He can wait. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Brian, if it wasn't for my for, for my damn motion sickness. Oh, boy. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, that is I one see. thing I've learned with these old games. Some of them, if if the camera's a little too snappy or foggy really? or blah, 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 blah. Oh, dude, it wrecks me. It tears yeah. me up. It's bad. That That's Jim's hardships right now. Motion sickness in video games. Panzer Dragoon <laughs> was doing that to me, too. That hard-snapping camera, man. It was wrecking me a little bit. I could get through, like, a couple levels, and then after, like, the fourth level, I'd be sitting there going, Ooh. Hey, right, Jim, you know what I have to say to that? Wah. <laughs> that's nicer than what you normally say <laughs> well I, I figured that jim needs to just start his own religious group 2d only is what it's called and they yeah. don't recognize never anything 3d yeah <laughs> never <laughs> have a problem 2d only and the worst of the worst <laughs> oh dear actually i'd have more fun doing that than a lot of other things <laughs> oh, there's a there's a thing for all my motion sick buddies out there. I'll make a cha- that'll be my side channel. Games that won't get you messed up, <laughs> or games to stay away from. And I just get sick on camera every episode. Hmm. Damn it, Jim. What can I sell my dignity for <sighs> for views more? <laughs> New channel name: Glorious and Boring. Oh, that's perfect. It like sums me up. It's a TLDR. <laughs> Jim, stop using that. I hate that you you use that. What? Uh, too long didn't read? What? Yeah, yeah. Stop. I pressed stop a little time, Brian. I have to condense. You're using the most out of my like you're high characters. school right now. You're way out of that league. Just text like the old man you are. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, I have to lie to the masses. <laughs> got to be hip. You're going to start vaping soon. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Oh, no, but thank you, Astral. We do appreciate the question. And yeah, everyone who does listen, who does support us, we definitely appreciate. But please make sure, get in your questions, because we love interacting with you guys. Oh, yeah, for sure. Get get your money's worth out of us, because God knows we don't deserve it. So please, send everything your way. And there's some $5 patrons, too, who haven't put their game review requests in. So, like, I had one who was like, oh, you already did the games I would have requested. I'm like, well, request something else. Torture us. I don't care. Just don't do 64 games. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that. I know. Probably fool. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, Sean, we, we usually cover a few different little, like, just recently released articles or gaming things. And I don't know if you saw this article that came out from Jezebel.com. Um, but... This person, what's her name? Shannon Malero wrote an article that said, Who forgot to invite Chun Chin Lee Chun Lee to the Mortal Kombat? Chin Lee? What the fuck? Yeah. Um, Jim, that's not the issue here. The issue is this article. So uh, I don't know if you saw Sean. Jim and I were actually talking before the podcast, the new Mortal Kombat trailers out for the new movie. And this person who is a gamer legitimately wrote a whole article about like yeah it looks good but why are they not including chun Li in there and then had to write an amendment basically saying i didn't realize street fighter and mortal kombat weren't the same thing like that's a little write... that's a little uh <laughs> it just it boggles i don't i have no idea what jezebel does i had like like what what they cover they seem to cover Everything from politics, culture, books, history. So they, they're, I guess, a catch-all for online news. And, man, like, I don't know. Does she not have an editor? Like, how does that get passed without I anyone mean, looking? They or they all is this have a an com- editor. Was she, was she, like, 
Were they sitting at a board going, oh, someone's got to talk about the Mortal Kombat movie. All right, who's ever played a video game before? And she's the poor sap who went, oh, I've played this before. And no one's maybe, like, well, it's your job now. You know, maybe the purpose is to put out an article that gets people talking by uh, throwing something that's not completely accurate out there. Yeah, it's kind of controversial. How can you mistaken one of the most iconic Street Fighter characters as being in the wrong I, game? I and, mean, uh, they didn't take it down. They They'd didn't take it down, views. but also I, I almost the way it's what? been written, like her, like her follow up was it's almost written in a way like she is self-deprecating, realizing like, I think I did screw up here. Um, and then if you go on her Twitter, like she's getting roasted left and right and she seems to be eating it up. But I think like if you look at her other articles, she doesn't do things in jest to this degree so i don't know if it is a tr if it is a troll hey it's a, it is a it is a funny troll it got the job done it has people like is it serious but i mean there's a tr there's a difference between a troll that's like a playful troll and one that right away people are like they're not gonna all of a sudden now start reading other jezebel articles because of something like that so i, I think i gotta figure it out here's the deal okay this gal she picks up Mortal Kombat 1. She's played it. She picked up Street Fighter 2. Just play, just seen her brothers playing it. Maybe some friends. It was mainly like uh, Ken and Guile. <clears throat> okay, she never sees Chun-Li in there. She finally gets herself um, the Street Fighter 2, the movie game. Uh, on, on, on a system now she doesn't own it but she goes over to a, friend, a friend's house and she's playing this and she gets to be Ch uh, Chun-Li on this game now she doesn't realize that this is actually Street Fighter because she's never seen Chun-Li before but she sees this is a digital <laughs> graphics from her Mortal Kombat 2 game and she figures that she's actually playing Mortal Kombat 2 and uh, you know this is a mistake that can happen to anybody you're playing Street Fighter 2 the movie the game and uh, and you mistake it in 2021 for, for Mortal Kombat too, you know, it's uh, looks the same, right? Why, why is this girl not in here? I, I know I played as her before. So, Sean, I think we now know your next channel, and it's Genobi, God, the, it. the video game lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> just taking up the battles. That's uh, yeah, you're you're giving her lots of credit. I I I think either it is the obvious troll or it is just the massive blunder that right. got a lot of heat and they're like we're leaving it up there because now it's hilarious oh yeah now it's now it's just good avenue ad, uh, ad revenue coming in yeah, yeah so, so it's so hard it's, to take something down and, and lose that ad revenue isn't it that's yep. right and no no attention's bad attention but see bry here's what here's what my theory is i think she's a me because just like when i did my little stupid angry super mario tweet about oh i can't get under this stupid thing you know this game's designed terribly not knowing I couldn't slide, oops, and then just going, oops. Well, I fucked up. Let me just ride this out and enjoy the attention. So, that's <laughs> did, be... did you get a lot of attention on that one? <laughs> Not as much as I was expecting. It was like shooting up for a little bit, and then it stopped. And I was like, oh, thank God, it didn't hit like the five thousand retweet mark or anything like that. It hit yeah. like a hundred likes and all that. But every yeah, bashing you know... was just like. That, it was well deserved. A, that, that's an, an honest mistake, though, because you, you get used to mechanics from newer games, and it's like going back to this Gizmondo deal. I'm, I'm playing Sonic on Gizmondo, and 
Um, I haven't like played Sonic 1 in a long, long time, but I've recently played Sonic 3, so I'm kind of expe expecting these Sonic 3 mechanics to be there. Mm -hmm. They're not there. They, they never were there, you know? So it's a little bit of a letdown, and, yeah. and it's like, uh, why can't I do this? Oh, oh yeah, this is Sonic 1. <laughs> That's why. Uh, Jim, but see, the problem is... But she wrote it. She wrote it arrogantly the way I did, though. That's why I'm saying she pulled a me. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, and I said that that is the one curse of Twitter in general. But that's what this article feels like. It feels like a really long Twitter rant. Like it feels like she was just doing a stream of consciousness. That's probably then, the case. Yeah, and but just did it in article form, and it's like I'm sure she's probably just young, and grew up kind of on Twitter. And all thoughts are kind of done. And it kind of gives credence to, like, do a little more research. Do like Genovi in his videos. Take some time. Look up some things. Realize Chun-Li is not in Mortal Kombat. But, yeah, Jim, your 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 tweet, it just infuriated me because I was like... Because you know me too well. I know you too well. <laughs> and I told you the problem with your tweet was not... It's fine. I, everyone makes mistakes. But... You're not humble in writing. You're like so righteous. You're like, God, this creator's an asshole. He doesn't know what he's doing. How could he not put this in here? It was so. Howard like, Phillips was right. To, yeah. It was jokey dokey. You went so hard in the paint on this. And I was like, ah. and then I was so happy to see everyone else roast you. So I didn't. Yes, 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 yes. But I was just like, we, we've revisited this enough. <laughs> it's never enough, Jim. Nah, I mean, I you, this isn't the first mistake you made. Like, will be the last. Uh, the uh, which is better, right, Jim? Or no, yeah. overrated, underrated. That's right. That one I'm still never going to forgive myself for. So, <laughs> yeah. So go, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> no, 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 Sean. So I don't know. Like I said, <laughs> we we always do our reoccurring like overrated, underrated. We'll pick a topic or a game, and. We go back and forth kind of jokey with each other sometimes. Like, I'll purposely pick, like, one of his favorite games. And we'll do Devil's Advocate. Like, one of us has to be overrated. One, Even if you don't believe it, you have to say why it's overrated or underrated. So, Jim knows my favorite game is Resident Evil. And he's, he's, he's setting me up to say why is it overrated. And he's supposed to give the argument of underrated. And he starts off his argument... And he starts listing all the reasons why it's overrated. <laughs> and by the end of it, I was like, well, Jim, I think you just answered everything for me. He's, he's like, uh. <laughs> I, I had that moment realization. I was like, tick, da, da, ah! <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he just wanted to win the argument once and he screwed the pooch. <laughs> I did, I did the Babe Ruth point, and then the bat went flying out of my hands and hit a little kid in the first aisle. <laughs> oh, Jim. But yeah, no, that, that article, it is linked below. You guys read it for yourselves. You let us know what you think. But it does tie into yet another topic that Jim loves, and it's uh, his hashtag Gamers Mad. So, Jim, why don't you explain what this, uh, this latest little wrath of tweets and anger is about? Yeah, it's about a week old at this point, but at the, um, so Fortnite, the biggest game in the world, as we all know, especially anyone with kids or with cousins or anyone, you know, in a certain age range. This might actually be good for you, Genovi, depending on if they play or not. But Chun-Li and Ryu from Street Fighter were added to Fortnite, and I didn't put any specific threads in here. You can just search it and you'll get flooded with different threads of just people 
freaking the hell out over. This is ridiculous. They're ruining Street Fighter. They're ruining these characters. This is goofy. They would never make sense in this universe. And stuff like that. So, a, a flying, of course, I a, a, a universe with a flying bus that that's held up yeah. by balloons, and you can build a, a base to the sky. Yes, yeah. and you can build a tower in in two seconds because everyone knows who's in construction knows how easy it is to just throw things together. But yeah, but a Hadouken, that is too far, sir. Or or Ryu and Chun Li. Well, I actually love the pictures of Ryu and Chun Li holding like machine guns and stuff like that. I'm like, eh, this is funny. It's so, like, out of left field, but yeah. It's just, I just love it when gamers get ridiculously mad over such non-issues, and I'm just like, you guys do realize that the general masses really doesn't care about Street Fighter right now, and this is a great way to bring new eyes into it, but no, 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 no. Be mad about this. Yeah, there, there's definitely, uh, it, you know, for for me, if the game is doing something that I don't care about or care for, I, I move away from it, and I think a really good example for, for myself personally was... Um, Super Smash Brothers on the Switch and, and even prior to that on the Wii U because it was like one of my favorite games on the GameCube and I even like the Wii version but man, it gets so overloaded with characters recently I just feel like you can't keep up with you can't keep up with them unless you just absolutely just dedicate your life to playing the game and, and you get to learn how to interact with all the different characters and oh, yeah. and when there becomes too much of an option it just becomes a little bit too overwhelming for the amount of time that I have and I'm just no longer really interested in playing but yeah. It doesn't mean that it's a bad thing that's happening because people are obviously enjoying it. And uh, I, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those deals that, um, you know, when you're crapping in somebody else's iced tea, uh, I don't know if that's really so kosher, you know, because yeah. uh, every, everybody likes what they like and, you know, just move on, find something else. <sighs> Bro, I give mean, me your tea. <laughs> damn it, Jim. No, I mean, that game has had, it because it is such, such a success, it's had all the marvel characters it's had who i can't it's had uh master chief from halo they have I, alien coming uh, in now aliens had, com- yeah like they've had everything so it's you know like jim said they didn't have a giant wrapping m&m at one point no it was um oh my goodness i these it, are just all skins right yeah, yeah. All, all it is, it's a, it's a Well, the giant rapper is actually, like, in the background. Is like He was, like, the size of a mountain, just, like, he was rapping ba- along and stuff. Yeah, like, he, he was... Um, a little weird. can't remember now. Uh, but... Was it Lil Nas X? I can't remember who it was, but either Maybe. way... Um, no, what kills me is just, like, yeah, why get upset about anything that gets exposure? Especially if you love Street Fighter, like Jim said. Right now, like, no nobody's talking except for the diehards for Street Fighter. So if this gets a little heat and maybe it leads to another Street Fighter game, why is that bad? Like, w- like would you two ever get mad if all of a sudden they threw Sonic in Fortnite because you don't want to see Sonic with a gun? It's like no, like Son why would bitch. you care? <laughs> you know, it just wouldn't make sense. So well, yeah, like Sean, you being the old school Smash fan, like when they said Minecraft Steve was going in Smash, did you care at all, or were you like morally offended that the sanctity of the uh, the anime characters with swords game has it's turned into uh, you know decide to put the most popular character from the most popular game of all time into it. No, no. Well, I think I think that? Smash is probably a little bit of a different deal here because you're talking cosmetics versus uh, you know obviously when you're introducing new characters, Actually. it's changing the gameplay mechanics and to a certain degree because you know you kind of get used to how certain characters operate and uh you know if you're always picking the same character then you have all these new characters to learn and and uh you know who to pick sure. against them and and you know there's a whole litany of, of, of things to just be able to enjoy the game and 
I, I just I just find that like a game like Smash is is incredible in its own right, but it just becomes too too big for me to properly enjoy it, and I, I think that's kind of a problem. But when you're talking like skins and whatnot, like, yeah, why I care? It's like who cares? And like and, and even for Smash, people are getting upset about you know this character or that character character coming to Smash, and for me, it's like you know that's kind of exciting in in a lot of ways. The, the only problem for me is that like I said, it's just ends up being too many too big of a selection too yeah. many variables and and that makes it to where it maybe not necessarily a bad game but it just requires so much more time and uh i, I just don't have it available and it's just not worth playing anymore yeah smash had the opposite issue i felt like whereas like fortnite the issue is i think they're including too many skins from random and like jim said the quote-unquote sanctity of a video game is funny but um with Smash, because it is a dedicated character, it's a new play style, it's something you have to learn. I A lot of people, I think, just complain. They're like, you're going a little too much into deep cuts when you still haven't hit on some of the majors from your bigger titles. Like, stop giving us Fire Emblem, people. You have enough of those. Like, why not give us this or this? So, yeah, it's like almost that opposite where they're like just mad that they didn't get a more popular character. You're going a little too obscure with that one. Well, with Steve, it was like everyone was mad that they were like, oh, what's this normie trash doing in here? It's like, boop, boop. I thought this was supposed to be a celebration of like video game history and mascots and shit like that. Like, yeah. why would you not want him in here? Because they need more Game & Watch, Jim. <laughs> hey, you leave Mr. Game & Watch out of this. He is a treasure. <laughs> yeah, Yes, he is. <laughs> he is so damn fun. Yeah, my, Which... my, my mains were Game & Watch and uh, Princess Peach. But I always, put, oh, I always, I was always sure to uh, put her in the Daisy costume, though. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> Come on now. Jim was always ice climbers. No, oh, God. <laughs> they are the worst. <laughs> no one likes to game. No one likes playing as them. I don't know why they're there. Stupid black box. Jim, you just loved when I would be uh, Samus and just shoot you with the ball. <laughs> and he wouldn't even charge you. He would just be like. P-shot, 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 P-shot. And all of a sudden, I'm up to like 120 damage. I'm like, God, don't just want to touch you. Stop shooting me. And you're like, well, just dodge it. Just dodge it. So many good times with those games. Yep. Yeah, no, but you do have a great point. I do feel myself, with the lack of time, when I get into newer games I love, and there are so many options, on one hand, there's that brain in me that's like, man, as a kid, I would have been, this would have been every weekend, every chance I got. But now I'm like, I don't have the time. It almost feels like I don't even want to touch it because I'm not going to even scratch the surface of what I could do in this game. So, yeah, I could see where in certain games adding too much would be a bad thing. But for Fortnite, who cares? They're going to just have skins. So people just... Yeah, it's, it's free to play. So, I mean, they have to make their money somewhere. I'm and They're making bucket loads of it anyways. But, All I of mean, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's kind of beside the point. It's uh, yeah. It's I. I think it's probably the more appropriate way. With Smash, I also get kind of frustrated because here's the game that essentially came out years ago, and they're still releasing new DLC, which means that you're you're you know you're spending. I I don't know how many packets have come out, but yeah, buckets of money to keep up to date, so you can actually check out some of these new characters and make sure you're kind of getting uh, familiar with them from you know outside of an online setting. And uh, I I just I just become frustrated with the experience. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, for sure. I oh, I never touch online. <laughs> rightfully so. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> now, um, but kind of connected. We we hit on this earlier about um specific companies 
and their IPs. And this is one that I was a little shocked to hear. Um, Jim, you actually got this from Bloody Disgusting, and it's amazing. Like, this this one actually covered it, because this was the first non-gaming-related thing I've seen come from here. But uh, Konami is outsourcing Metal Gear and Castlevania IP to third-party developers. Um, now, they've been kind of playing around with this, it seems like, with Silent Hill, as they're already, like, kind of have some potential new Silent Hill games on the books. But... Yeah, we've said for a while, like, we know they, they went downhill with... What were it, what was those, like, uh, games they were trying to release a the year Pachi- or two ago? Pachinko Metal- Machines? The Pachinko, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then the, they did release a Metal uh, Metal Gear Solid game that was just absolute trash here about a year or two ago. Metal Gear Survive, yep. Yeah, and... Which and, is like a zombie survival game or something. It's like, what? Well, it just sucks because Konami is... You talk about hitters and, and games that just couldn't miss back back in the day. And then whatever happened, um, I'm not sure, but their IPs have suffered and haven't been able to get the proper treatment. And it's like... Well, it's it's clear what happened. Uh, they found that there was actually a lot more money to be made in the amusement division than in their home consumer division. So a lot of those properties were repurposed for the amusement division and you know into these essentially gambling machines because that's where the money was for them. And, and it's not to say that there wasn't some money over on the other end, but there's just so much more money on that amusement division than there was on the home division. And uh, I think it's kind of unfortunate because they, they do have some incredible properties and they're kind of giving them, and it's no offense to my friend Yahel or the CDI, I love the CDI, I love Yahel, but they're giving them the Philp CDI Nintendo treatment uh, where they're shipping these properties off to people that probably shouldn't be touching them and we're likely not gonna see any good results from this. Yeah, no, no, yeah. absolutely. You had that Contra Road Core. You had the Metal Gear Survive. It's it's been rough, but it seems like you know. Once again, with the Silent Hill, hopefully, we have new projects coming out, and the Metal Gear and Castlevania are getting more and more. And, and I feel like you know the Castlevania, that even having the thing on Netflix, has reopened the door for like, hey, like this is a franchise people like. Bloodstained is doing so popular because it's basically a Castlevania clone. There's still an audience and an appetite out there for it. Give it to someone who really wants to take it and develop it right. Like, But take the time, like you said. Don't just give it to somebody and make the, the quick bang for the buck. Take some, Give it to somebody who cares. Silent Hill, uh, the number of times it's mind-boggling that that friggin pt ends up on list for like best horror game when it was a 10 minute demo on the ps4 that nobody can play anymore um i still got my copy (laughs) damn it (laughs) (laughs) like it it it, but the amount that that spawned and just that 10 minutes that spawned however many games that just took that same exact style like people are really clamoring for Let's get another Silent Hill. Let's get another Castlevania. Let's get another Contra. Let's get these things out there. I really hope that comes out there. I, you hey, know, hey, I, I do. I do think that there's. I think that the likelihood of that happening is slim to none. And I feel like Sonic. And this is probably going to be a very unpopular opinion, especially for anybody who follows my show, because I don't think I've really shared this before. But I kind of feel like Sonic post Saturn, and I, I do include the Saturn games as being just fine. 
so on the Dreamcast Ford, it was is pretty much crap. I, I never liked the Dreamcast games. I didn't like anything oh, that's man. come out. And the first time I actually picked up a Sonic game where I felt it was a return of the form was Mania. And Mania was never planned by Sega. It was a fan a fan game, and somebody showed it to Sega, and Sega had some freaking common sense for once, and they actually picked it up and put it out. <laughs> thank thank goodness on that, right? And it's going to be something similar because you just hand it off to somebody who has some sort of half-cocked idea and you know, with a game like Castlevania, and I'm not like no big Castlevania mark. I I don't know a whole lot about it. I I, I mean, I play the I play Castlevania games. So it's, it's not like at the top of my deal where I know a bunch of stuff. But I do know that starting with the Super Graphics 16, which would be um, Rondo of Blood, Rondo. you yeah. actually had uh, you had new people come on and take over that series, and those people are the people that are doing Bloodstain, and they pretty much had their hand in every single game that came out until they were no longer with Konami, right? And it's the same deal with like Resident Evil, where you had essentially like a lot of the same team and people in the creative team behind it all the way through until they were no longer with Konami, right? And so when you actually strip away these creative forces that are actually driving the games in the proper directions, and then you just hand them off to somebody who's just trying to meet quotas and deadlines you know we got to get this done by this time and get make sure this is working by this time and make sure you know we keep this within this price and do this within this and here's this milestone all and the only thing that matters is that you meet this milestone because if you meet this milestone you get this bonus and we don't really care about nothing else and that's exactly what happens to a lot of these a lot of these properties i'm not saying that's what happened to sonic i'm just saying that i don't like the direction that it went and um and, and what came with the dreamcast isn't what i loved and, and i think that there's definitely a possibility of that happening with these because you really kind of have to step outside of the box and go with a studio that actually has people that are passionate about these properties already. And I think like one of the cases where we've really seen this actually take off was back in the Dreamcast, where you had Metroid taken over by Retro Studios, and they did an incredible job. Uh, they, they revived that series that had been gone for a whole entire generation, and they put out three of the best games on that platform. And... Um, and, and, you know, so it's critical to find somebody who has passion and ideas for a new direction. And it's just not about, here's a license. What will you give us for it? Okay, go ahead and do it. And then you end up with that Metal Gear. What did you call that again? Rise? Survive. Survive. Cow Pie or whatever it was called. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's like... Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is actually pretty good for a spinoff. But yeah, even though it's like Devil May Cry in Metal Gear Universe, it's goofy. But yeah, it's not like what Survive was. Oof. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, I'm encouraged. I I hope they do the right thing here. I hope it turns out well. I'm a big Konami, Konami fan, so it, it's any news that's heading in the right direction, I'll be happy for. But it will be a story we'll end up following to hopefully at least we start seeing some releases, if any, come out either way. Oh, you know what? I actually, I kept on saying Resident Evil. I meant to say Silent Hill. No, no, so, yeah, I, I got so, you. So excuse me on that because uh, because uh, because Capcom has actually been knocking it out of the park with their properties lately, and you really have oh, to yeah. applaud what the work that they're doing. And so I, I you know, I, I would never want to throw Capcom under the bus because I feel that that is the direction Konami should be going. And that was uh, that was just me misspeaking, which I often do when I'm live. No, so, no, no, it's fine. No, Capcom, yeah, man, they've. Uh... They've they've done what the movie studios have figured out. Like you you do a good remake of your old properties and do it well and introduce it to a new crowd. It's gonna it's gonna be a very wise decision because the lore is there. You're gonna get old fans, new fans. It's a great idea. If Konami could do that somehow, that would be great too. 
but yeah, Jim, speaking of uh, things we grew up with and are getting a kind of second win, because we just talked about this, I think it was, was it last podcast or one before? Some, it was recent. Yeah. Um, this new development for Twisted Metal. Why don't you go into it? So, yeah, apparently, out of all things, Twisted Metal is getting a TV series. It's going to be starring Will Arnett, and it's going to have people who've been behind Deadpool and Cobra Kai. Yeah. So, it seems like there's some legitimate talent behind this. So, Deadpool writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, and Cobra Kai writer Michael Jonathan Smith. And they're going to turn it into a franchise, apparently. So, it won't be centered around, like, one of the characters that we all know and love. Basically, it's a new guy, and it almost doesn't seem like the classic Metal, or Metal Gear, Twisted Metal uh, setup where Calypso's having the tournament, the winner gets whatever wish they want, they all have tortured pasts, blah, 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 blah. He's like, it's an action comedy that follows a outsider offered a chance at a better life. Uh, if he can deliver a package across a post-apocalyptic wasteland uh, with the help of a trigger-happy car thief, he can face marauders, and, of course, they mentioned Sweet Tooth is probably going to be, like, the main guy chasing him the whole time. So it's a little bit different from the t- typical story, which is fine, honestly. If yeah. you're gonna make it a serialized, if you're gonna make it a serialized thing that will hopefully last a couple seasons, you well, can't just well, do the classic a, idea. It's a TV series, right? So yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't just have that that atypical from the game. And you know, as soon as I read that, I was like, okay, you basically have a funny twist on like the Mad Max style. I almost right. think of that. Like I think how Mad Max was shot with all the cars. You do that with Twisted Metal, you could have something really good. And you get the right person to play. Um, shit. Why is it? Why am I blanking? Like, what, Sweet Tooth? Or Sweet Tooth and, and all the other characters. Like, you know, like the, this guy will be a kind of a probably whatever neutral character that can just be like the player, if you will. And then you just introduce all the others. I'm, I'm going to be fascinated how they uh, introduce Axel. Is it Axel? Axel, yep. <laughs> like, how they introduce that character. That's going to be a very weird yeah. one. But, yeah, man, if they do it right, if it's funny like Deadpool, but ultra-violent, ultra-crazy with uh, good effects and good writing, I'm all for it. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully the series is good and takes off, which means we'll finally get another Twisted Metal game. We haven't had one of them in almost 10 years. Yeah. yeah this one wasn't that great, so. It's, it's kind of interesting that you have that Mad Max movie that came out, which was phenomenal. So, I mean, that's kind of like the bar that you have to reach as far as visuals go. And then you have the Mad Max game that came out, which was also <sighs> phenomenal. Yeah. And so you here you have something that's like more fresh in people's minds right now because you had a, rec- a fairly recent game that was incredible and I fairly recent movie which was um, absolutely in, insanely good and uh it's visually and, and story wise and here you have a game that's clearly kind of based off of this mad max uh death race universe and now are they going to like really be able to pull that together and have it feel like it's wholly its own deal while still executing some sort of enjoyable plot and vi- visual treat you know i, I don't know right when with the fan service that you would expect from here and like, you know, just twisted metal in general. So no, it'll be, I mean, I don't watch a lot of TV or especially like serialized TV. So like, this is something I would actually like make time to sit down and watch. Yeah. yeah. Like when's the last twisted metal game that was really good is, I mean, to me, it was probably black. Oh, that was good. Black. Um, black, right? Head, head on, head on, on the PSP is good, but I would say that was the last one. Yeah, but no, one but for one that, that moved, 
But for one that most people would have played, it would have been black. Yeah, yeah black was fucking great. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was definitely it, it was definitely black. And that's the thing is um, Twisted Metal, Jim and I, we've talked about it a few times. That's one of those series that got that, you know, it just kind of died off. And even though they, they kept uh, the characters with PlayStation All-Stars and, and they tried, it just... Tried the reboot. It, it, yeah, it just didn't go anywhere. So you- maybe this is the boost it needs. It's kind of interesting when those games all when that game came out, you know, there was also that Vigilante 8, which was yep. really similar and very yep. popular. And uh, these are reasons also to have like a PlayStation or 64 even to this day. And then you had a game that was like a like a little bit less violent, which was the Destruction Derby, which had kind of like that same feel, but without the guns. Right. Yep. But all three of yep. those games are just very iconic, uh, you know, for the time that they came out. And uh, and they came out so close together. And it is kind of interesting that. Um, if you go back and you play them, they're still incredibly good games, and we really haven't seen anything yeah, comparable in decades. Something genre didn't carry over. <laughs> something about I the mean, '90s and yeah, the destructive car derby style. It completely fizzled out. Like in the 2000s, there I can't even think of a. You know, it's like kart racers took off. Regular racers were fine, but the destructive kill other cars, destroy other cars. Yeah, it just didn't really take off. I mean, also, I I completely attribute that with, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, you know, uh, going to, you know, monster car shows and Gravedigger and all that, that was a big event. And even oh, yeah. Simpsons covering mm-hmm. that with the, the big T-Rex, Truckosaurus, like that was a thing. That was huge, and now I don't see anything even close to that on TV or any stuff. So, yeah. Right. We all know that the it, it all peaked with WWE Crush Hour, so they could never top it, and they knew that, so no one ever tried it. Wait, wait, wait. What's this game? I, I don't know if, I, if I've heard of this one. You never heard of it, huh? No. How odd. No, but what do you call it? WWF actually decided to do its own version. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was like the PS2 era. It was on everything. I, I feel like I'm, I missed out on something classic here. Well, especially for your channel when you get into the uh, the deep dives on the destruction car genre. There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, yeah. Hopefully this, this I, you know, I'm all for it. I think that'll be an interesting and fun twist on a on a show. Will Arnett's funny and those the people A twisted have. metal, Brian? You, I'll Jim. just go now. <laughs> you know, there really is. I, I feel like this is, if there ever was a time that a game like that could succeed, it's it's right now. Because, For sure. I, and yeah. I'm not even so much thinking a single player game, although that's like really what I would prefer. But you, you put it out like a Battle Royale style type of deal. Yeah. It's, I mean, just so much potential. Rocket League took off and sold like hotcakes. And so, that's a car and, with a ball. Car yeah, with a gun? I yeah, mean, that's like you, 10 times you, better, right? You basically take all the same mechanics from Rocket League and just put guns on things. People will go nuts. That's all yeah, I'm saying. I fu- fully agree. Fully yeah, agree. And, and shit, even add in the Fortnite method, make it free, then add in all of, like, the drivers, Ryu, with a gun. Or, like, you know, I do get, like, you know, you, you tie it in and just make expand it. It could easily work. Oh, what if they got download packs for Vigilante 8 cars and you finally get that mishmash you never had back in 1998 we always wanted. Hey, I just man. want a new Vigilante 8 game. Just just give it to me. I'm, I'll be happy. I'll yeah. be good, I promise. <laughs> give me my alien spaceship. Let me fight Minion with it. Come on now. <laughs> and then, 
So for our final topic, and this is an interesting one because I want to see where you guys fall. I mean, Jim, you put it up here, but Sean, I'm really interested. So um, coming from uh, Game Box Gods, I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they specialize in making repro Nintendo game boxes, and they seem to cover everything from NES, Super NES 64, Game Boy, and everything in between all the way up to the Switch. They basically just have the same style, and it looks like the same material, cardboard, the high-gloss finish um, pictures. They're not... I mean, they look as close to identical as possible from all the pictures I'm seeing in the links. So for all intents and purposes, you're getting a new, just unlicensed box and they all range basically around 11 or 12 bucks for a brand new box for your, uh, for your games. So what do you guys think? Is that something that interests you at all? I'm just amazed with the way Nintendo is that they haven't shut these guys down. Cause they've been apparently operating for five years. I, Hate it. <laughs> I hate it. And, uh, and and there's multiple reasons why. I, I guess if they would brand it with their brand on the front, it probably wouldn't bug me. And it doesn't bug me when people create their own cases. But when you actually try to do a one-for-one -one recreation, it makes it really difficult because uh, somebody gets a hold of something they don't know what they have, and then they're reselling it to somebody else saying it's, think it's like a, a legit deal, and it's not. And um, yep. it's really unfortunate. And I run into this problem all the time when I'm trying to track down replacement cases or uh, replacement boxes and and they're not legit and uh, it's quite upsetting in a lot of ways because you spent your time and money to track stuff down and then to receive it and it's it's fake it's it's not very cool so i'm not necessarily against repos re repros um but i think they need to be labeled as such and when they're not i think that's uh it's beyond questionable i think it's, it's straight up unethical is what it is so i'm looking yeah. at the boxes right now to answer your question I'll be honest, I don't I'm not seeing from the pictures I didn't see anything. that that show it's from them. I mean, they even have like from what would be on the atypical boxes, the Nintendo seal of approval. So, yeah, it definitely if you were an unknowing consumer, you probably would not know the difference between the original and this. And that's my biggest problem with it, like at this point, I don't even touch like Game Boy Advance cards because of how rampant the piracy is on them and the counterfeiting. Yeah. So much less having someone out there. And I mean, not to take away from their quality of work, they, they look really good and they look legit. But exactly like Sean's problem, how do you not have anything on there written, this is a repro? Or like some little logo or just something to differentiate it because you know some eBay or all the eBay sellers we're going to buy them all up and they're going to list them as complete in box and say, you know, or just boxed game and say this is legit and everyone's going to overpay and they're just going to rake it all in. So, yeah, it's like it, you, it sets have, a really bad precedent. It's like if you have Spider Man Web of Fire for the 32X and it's just a cart, it's probably worth about six or seven hundred bucks. And if you have it with the box, it's worth about two grand right now. So, yeah. you know, it makes it very uh, enticing for somebody to go out and try to find one of these boxes and pass it off as legit. And, you know, and it's um, unless you have like a nice collection or you're really familiar with stuff, sometimes it's really hard to tell what the difference is. And um, and for a lot of people, they're going to get had and it's going to be too late to really rectify. And uh, somebody's making some money and the person on the other end is getting screwed. And it's just it's highly unethical, highly unethical. Um, you know, whatever you do for your own collection is one thing. 
But I mean, but even then, there becomes an issue because, uh, like, I have about 3,000 games. I have a lot of games. I have 3,000. Probably a little bit more than that. And, um, you know, my kids don't know a whole lot about my collection. So if something happens to me, I, tell, I make sure I tell them, like, hey, look this up and make sure, like, you know, I've told my wife multiple times, something happens to me, you can go and sell it off. But just don't sell it all bulk. You know, it's like games in there, like There's Panzer good. Dragoon yeah. Saga that needs to be sold by itself, you know. If something happens to me, right. you sell it. And... But if I was buying the stuff and putting it with with my games, you know, replacing NES boxes or new art or new book, I've seen there's like new booklets for Saturn games. Uh, and I think it's like really troubling because it, I have it on my shelf and she sells it. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's floating around as being a legit deal. And it's it's not right. There's nothing right about it at all, you know? So, yeah, I, I feel pretty strongly about this. Hmm. Yeah, that's why I was interested to have it, especially with you, because I knew you were a collector as well. And my collector mindsets originally, like, immediately just went to, oh, no. Oh, uh, great. Now I can't buy, like, any... I don't buy Nintendo box stuff anyway, except for N64, because that was my childhood. But just in general now, I'm like, well, if unless I'm at a store, I'm never touching a box at Nintendo anything. Because, you know, you get that first person to poison a well, then it's basically downhill after that. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just a bunch of green people. And... And I've definitely I've bought I've I own repos and I I don't have like an issue with it but a lot of but they're marked you know appro appropriately marked I should say and and I think like uh, there, there's a lot of guys in the Saturn community that are making um, translated I don't know if like repro is really the right deal but it's like an aftermarket copy with the translated version that was never released in a certain region and they make it all up and I think yeah. that's okay because if it's like you're buying a uh, Winkle liver story on the Saturn and it's a North American release. Well, there is, is no such thing. It never happened, you know? So it's quite clear what, what you got is an aftermarket deal that somebody put together. And, um, mm -hmm. and I'm happy supporting that work. So we actually have access to some of these games that there would be no other way to play because I don't speak Japanese. And for a text heavy uh, RPG like that, there's just really no way to approach it. So uh, they're really kind of doing the community a service at preserving this in English. And so, so it's accessible, right? But when you're taking like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what, what game they're probably uh, doing this with, but um, you know, you, like a Contra or you know uh, Kurt Kirby or whatnot on the NES, and you're producing a new box, and that's that's really kind of crossing a, a line that shouldn't be crossed. And you know, we see this with Pokemon stuff all the time. I mean, that's probably oh, the most yeah. common. Or dude, how many? What do you call it? Power Stone tunes out there that you just not trust? Yeah, yeah, it just be, it becomes it becomes dangerous to where you're just best to just pick up a, a flash cart and not even collect the game anymore because it's just uh, just too much doubt about something's authenticity. Yeah, and that's where so you two are the like I'm a collector, but I've said between Jim and I like I'm the one I'm the one who plays game. Like I, I what's more important to me is I just want to play the game. Like I'm I do have certain games I want to collect. I don't collect with any intention of like ever reselling. Like like you said, if hey, it, you know, whenever I go, if my kids sell off my games or don't want them, that's that's on them. But I don't have the intent of like I'm not buying it for the authenticity or just keeping it in a sealed box and saying I have the foremost collection of every whatever game. So I looked at this like it is weird. But then I asked Jim, I said, well, have you ever bought a box, like, for a loose game that you bought to try to, like, get a complete edition? Yep. I almost right away, my mind goes, like, well, if you didn't get the actual box that it came in, like, aren't isn't that kind of like a jip too? Because you're getting the original box, but it's not with the actual game. 
not that that matters as much, but that's when I get into my mind says like, how much does a piece of used cardboard actually matter versus a repro? I I agree with you in the terms of like I I think of it like uh, I, I'm very much into like muscle car restorations and things like that. I don't like repros of those things, especially like Chevelles and things of those natures. But I look at like video game like this particular instance where unless you're buying a game with the intent of like I'm buying this to get the complete collection in order to sell or validate it or become a museum or historian, I don't see as big of an issue. But I can see where it gets completely murky. And as you said, it's not moral to say uh, if you're not letting people know that this box you're purchasing is a repro, that's pretty messed up. Um, but like I said, I I'm looking at it from a personal standpoint, and I just go, is it that big of an issue for the box? A game, I think, a completely different... I have a different mentality for, but a box is where I'm like, well, what's... I don't understand the value in, like, the original box versus a repro box. Unless <laughs> you're getting the original... A couple hundred dollars. No, no, no. I, I, I'm saying I know the rarity, but that's why I'm saying, like, you, Jim, you've bought boxes that were, you hope, original boxes. Oh, yeah. And match oh, no, up there's, with the there's game. a very good chance I've been cornholed before. Yeah. Like, there's probably some fake sitting in here. But it's, like, kind of the same I look at as, like, that wasn't the box that came with the game you have anyway. So you're, you're really selling... You're not selling a repro, but you don't even know if you're getting in the same exact distribution, all the things. So you're really mishmashing different parts and saying it's but it's not quite like a car, though, because like with a car, you're trying to, you know, a numbers matching exactly. car is yeah. important. Right. But yeah. there is no such thing as a numbers matching game set. Exactly. So, yeah. So like, uh, I mean, like, for example, I picked up uh, Fantasy Star 3 is a game I never owned. And yeah, um, I picked it up. And I found it really cheap, but it was missing the manual. So, like, I'm, I have, like, a list of some of the games I'm missing, like, a manual or a box for. And uh, so I was like, when I'm at these shows, I'll go and I'll flip through the manual stuff. And I, I found the manual for it, and I put it in there, and now it's complete. And I think that's just fine. And sometimes uh, I, I definitely have boxes here. It happens to me all the time where I'll lose a game. It's, it's, it's kind of a silly deal. but Or... Uh, I don't know exactly what happens, but I end up with boxes though, where I just don't have the games. And sure, I'll take I'll take them down to my buddy's shop and just give him the boxes, and he'll put them up for sale for a couple bucks, and you know help somebody complete complete their collection. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, but there's I, even the oops, sorry, there's even like the mishmashing. Like my Streets of Rage three, like I, when I got it as a kid, my dad got it from a, a rental store that was going out of business. So it's definitely like the Majesco copy. So it's got the black and white. Uh, manual and it's got the sticker on it the black and white label but i have it in the clamshell original artwork thing so it's like two different mishmash releases but i'm still like oh that's complete enough yeah, yeah well see that's that's like a little bit of a different deal though when you start getting into the majesco releases because that's kind of like mixing part numbers from cars so that that, yeah. that is that is a little bit different because those majesco copies are actually lesser quality than the original releases they were all made down in mexico jim's and, a fraud yeah, yeah, GM. Yeah, oh, shit, I sold myself out. Calling to call, to call, to call. But I, I, th I think it's. I think what happens though with the with these repo boxes and manuals is that you have expectations from people that what they're getting is the real deal and yeah. the rarities. Yep. You know, some people. You know, I, I think I'm kind of uh, with you, Brian. I, I, I buy this stuff and I, I don't really have. I, I can't tell you the last time I sold a game. I, I just, I don't. Maybe 
I, I just, I, I don't even know if I ever have sold any games at all. I, I've gotten some doubles in. I've traded them with my buddy who owns that store. Um, for a long time, when I beat games, I'd actually give them to friends. I always felt really guilty about selling them. I, I, I still do. So I just kind of just hold on to my stuff. It's just not, it's just not what I do. But I do realize that down the road, somebody might be looking for something and I just don't want them to end up with something that it's not, you know? Yeah. No, no, no. I, and, I, and that's what I'm saying. I, it, it's like, I, I agree because you, it's, you're thinking, you're doing the right thing and thinking of the next person who potentially has this. You don't want them to have the knowledge. Um, and that, that's where like, I'm so much of a, the personal gamer, like you said, like I, I'd rather give the games to a friend keep it in the family do something to that effect because who knows like you know all the games i get even if you go to a market you don't know the difference between a repro or whatever um it, there is that deceit but I, I always think of the person that cares the most about getting the version that is the original i either think their intent themselves are either they're just worried about the the value putting on a shelf forever you know, in some cases, maybe a museum. And to me, that defeats the whole purpose of just enjoy the game. You know, like that that gets away from the value of the game. Like you're treating it like the baseball cards or whatever, where, you know, like you're now taking away. I don't I don't like things that just become on shelves for display, like especially an interactive thing like this, whereas like baseball cards, all you all they were meant for was looking anyway. Piece of art, it's going on a wall to look at. Video games are meant to be played, and when you have things sealed that never see the light of day or whatever, I'm like, well, are you doing that for financial gain? What, well, what I was going to – well, I just have uh, like a crap ton of EverDrives here. This is probably was, part of I was going to – yep, that's what and, me to it. I was going to be like, if you're going to spend the money on all these repros, why waste it on something that's not real and just get an EverDrive to play the game? And a lot of times I'll check out games on EverDrives, but yeah. – but there's a, a massive part of me, and, and it's probably mental, but I don't know. And maybe it has something to do with me doing my show, where I like to have the full experience. And sure. back then, it was like a different experience having the box. You read the back of it. You, op you open up the, ca the case. You pull out the manual, and oh, then yeah. you start reading over the manual. And I, I like that full experience, you know? And um, I kind of, uh, maybe to a, a certain degree where I kind of don't buy games unless they're actually complete, because I, I if... It, it, if I just want to play a game and that's not a big deal, I'll throw it on that. EverDrive. Yeah. And if I really yeah. like the game, I'll stop playing. I'll try to track down a physical copy so I can actually get like the full experience yeah. of pulling out the manual and reading over it. And and sometimes for like a, I don't have it sitting behind me, but for some for some games like uh, Calibri on the 32X is, is a perfect example. You know, there's actually like a tutorial to get started in that game. And I remember talking to people that hated that game because they couldn't figure out how to get started. Well. If you read over the manual, it tells you that you have to go up to this certain flower and touch the flower, and that starts the game. Well, mm. if you don't know about that, you might never even touch the flower, and you're just, like, pissing around in the first level, and you're like, screw this. <laughs> I can't figure out how to get started, you know? Right. So the yeah. manual's, like, we're, like, a really critical part of the experience, and I think it's probably, for me, a lot of nostalgia that goes into it. But yeah. I, like, I, I truly do enjoy that full aspect of, of opening up a game, pulling out the manual, reading through the whole entire deal. Um, it takes me back to buying a game like Mega Man 1 at Walmart with my folks, and then you crack open the box because you're so excited to play it, and you're reading over the manual on the way home, and you're kind of familiarizing yourself with what to expect and how the mechanics are, are going to work and what options are available to you that are, are at least revealed in the manual, right? And mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's for me, that's, like a, that's a big part of it. And... Um, 
uh, you know, when you go, when you decide like a, like of the 32X, I wanted to complete my full set, and I, I did it years ago. But some of the games were still expensive back then, and sure. it's like, well, uh, I want to complete my set, and I have to buy this freaking baseball game, which I know sucks. It's like one of the worst baseball games released on a Sega system, <laughs> and but it's like 200 bucks. I want to make sure that it's like actually a legit you game, you know? Legit. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm gonna buy a crappy game because I want to complete a set, it, it needs to be like it needs to be legit, you know? And but then like on the Turbo, I own probably uh, 20 or 30 Repo Pros that are like really expensive to buy, and I just wanted to play the games. I didn't really care so much. Yeah. So there's a company that makes them that's, um, you know, they're they. they People have some they were, animosity. They were in order for a little bit too because they were making really close copies, like we're talking about here. You're talking about P- P- uh, PC Engine Works. That's it. Yeah. 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 When, when they first came out, they actually didn't put no no identifying marks on their packaging, and that did put them in the hot water with the community. But uh, ever since then, they have actually labeled the packaging, and you know, people get really bent out of shape because they'll be like, "Oh, you know, you're buying this package of five games for like ninety bucks," and but I mean, it is like maybe better quality than the original stuff when it was actually yeah. released. It's actually incredible what they're doing. And, um, yeah. you know, there's definitely a market for that. And whether you agree with the et- efficacy behind them actually putting those games out or not, at least with the way that they're actually presenting them, there's no, there's no there's gray no area. Yeah. You know, yeah, at least not now. And that, and that's what, like, that's my point is I don't, I think for sure the video game cart is the sacred part of it. Like, cause like you said, I'm all for if I if I if I play a game, if I emulate it, if I do EverDrive, whatever I do, if I get a chance to play and I really love it, I'm gonna go out and collect it. Like I've done that with Castlevanias, I've done that with Legend of Zelda. Like I've done it with a f- couple games where I'm like, I need to go out and get the real copy because then I want to play it as close to the original, like on the real system with the real controller from the real hardware. It's that next level where, like you said, the manual, if it's re- reproduced, you're still getting the same information. The box is still just hold like now now it's the aesthetic of it. Now now you're taking that collector's mentality to that different level. And that's why I said, you and Jim, I, I can appreciate where you guys I've never been there just because I go at the end of the day I care about let, the guts. Let, let me show you one thing. Hold on. Yeah. Okay, so so talking about Repro cases. Now, here is like a, a bunch of Game Boy games I have cases for that are obviously not original. They never came into yeah. hard shell cases. And, <laughs> yep. you know, you can see I have Mega Man 1 and 2 and Metroid 2 and all the, the Mario and Mario Lands and some Zeldas and stuff in here. You know, some some of the better games on the Game Boy. Um, and, you know, it's just... Uh, they're, they're just t- yeah. It, it's so obvious kind that, of that's yeah. super yeah that's super super out yeah so i i i think that there's you know i can understand why you'd want to have a case of some sort but it's um you just don't want I, that deceit the deception of like we're trying to make pawn this off as if this was the real and that's I, that that's where i'm torn because i on one hand i'm like damn the quality is really good on these things and they do look legit it's too good it, it, it and that is a problem like and maybe there's something on there i'm i've read through the li- literature but 
damn if i if there, they, there's there's too big of a market for people that want to scam other people for, for problem, them yeah. to, for them to not put out something like that you know to, and uh, there's always going to be a market where people want to get over on somebody else and it's a really an unfortunate situation so i'd even be fine if they put on the inside maybe a watermark on the inside car oh yeah to just say like hey, i'll be fine yeah, yeah. like because like i said the outside on one hand it's like dude if you just want your collection to look nice and you want it i i'm also the type because i am such a gamer and i'm not a collector i'm like do i want to spend 10 20 bucks on a on a piece of cardboard just to hold this yes. stuff jim yes jim will do it all day long me as you see like i i'm fine with the loose carts but that's I, i'm a different mentality and i i can fully understand that but no like i said i i i get it um unfortunately the deceit is there for a lot of people and it is unfortunate look when i buy my <laughs> repro copy of divine ceiling it looks different damn it because i have ethics <laughs> <laughs> Jim, you have many things. I don't know if ethics are one of them. <laughs> well, you know that's that's another issue with some of these these cart based games when you get into the repros is that you just don't know you know how the circuitry was done on it and uh, are, are they going to be safe long term for your system? Are yeah, they going to yeah. cause pin damage because you know the, the the PCB being fatter than it should be, which is a common issue. So you know, there's there's definitely a lot of concerns when you're actually running real hardware with stuff that was yeah put out by somebody <clears throat> who's just trying to turn a buck yeah and that that's like i said that going back to the card thing like that's on the same way like that's the guts that's your engine that's your transmission is everything gonna work but like that's where i i have an issue with anything that's like if it's not the spec like i i'm not cool with it but uh but no no like i said i i i i can understand both your opinions on this so make sure if you're listening if you're watching comment below what do you think good is it bad um i'm probably in the minority of thinking it's a kind of meh issue unless you actually label it um but yeah well, well yeah uh when you comment down below just tell us how right Genovi and jim is and how wrong uh brian is uh, tell like, me for like, once how right i am <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, i need this but, if, <laughs> but no uh with that we want to say Sean, we truly, truly, truly appreciate you coming on. Yeah, we do have we did have a blast talking with you. Um, we can't stress links enough. will be below to all of yeah, your stuff. Everything, no matter what platform. Please make sure you follow him. Like I said, he does. As you can tell just from his conversation, he's very knowledgeable. He goes completely in depth. Does a ton of research. Check out all of his videos. They are well worth your time. And Sean, once again, we do want to say thank you for coming on the the show with us. Yeah, thank you, Jim, and thank you, Brian. I, I really appreciate it. It was a good time, and uh, hopefully, I wasn't too scatterbrained. It's just a lot of times these live deals are are a little bit tough for me because I, I really stumble over myself. I get too excited, and then I have a hard time getting out. No man, cohesive thoughts. So no, 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 no. Please, you you're like scatterbrained with like actual knowledge instead of me being scatterbrained with you know <laughs> with just misinformation <laughs> with, right. whenever it just comes out of my Jim mouth is basically so now you're, pro. you're great <laughs> <laughs> so it, oh, my man. ain't right new shirt uh, new shirt yeah Jim, repo Jim. Jim, Jim the repro yeah. the repo repro man you can be him <laughs> Yes. Oh, there's my new guest. Yes. There you go, <laughs> So uh, with that, everyone, please make sure if you haven't already, also hit subscribe for us below. 
Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify, make sure you subscribe. If you want to give us um, give us a rating, please give us a five. You can bash us in the ratings, but comment. We always do respond, and we always do read. So thank you all once again. Have a good night, and cheers. Cheers, guys.